Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Get it yet? Oh, it's a great one. It's a great one. Okay, I gotta stop this. All right, for those of you that didn't get it yet, one more second and then I'm gonna tell you what it is because I just figured you'd get that so easy. (laughs) It was a soundtrack from a movie. And it's one of those things that when you hear it, you recognize it right off. But not everybody knows the title, I guess. All right. Um, It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. (laughs) And I just happened to think of it about a week ago. I was listening to it, and I said, I want to keep that one. So, no, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yep. And um, I'm trying to think what year that would have been. Probably back in eh, maybe the, I don't know, the, the no, late 60s, early 70s, I'm thinking. Probably late 60s. Oh, shoot, I just closed it. I got it off YouTube. And the the reason why it wasn't so easy to get at first is because I didn't realize it was from the soundtrack, so it was just playing the soundtrack stuff. It was playing another piece and another piece. So, um it just had little elements of the theme in it and not the whole thing. So anyways. All right. Well, I didn't, <laughs> when I started the recording, I wasn't on the mic. So uh, I'm going to say uh, this is Into the Uda. It is um, 7.36 p.m. on April 16th, 2015. And I'm up here in Bangor, Maine. Um, uh, going on 200 shows, <laughs> believe it or not. I missed a few times, so, um, you know, had missed, missed things that didn't record or whatever. Um, so it's slightly less than that right now, but it, I think this is, uh, yeah, it's episode 199. So minus about three maybe or four that didn't take. So I would say that really close to 200. Very exciting. Um, I have a lot of energy tonight because I'm trying to get back on the Let's get cranking again, track. And um, <clears throat> it was a hell of a week. But aren't they all? Uh, we had uh, some interesting adventures this week. We had no money for some of the days, so we were, like, eating out of the cupboards. And then on the last day, when we were just, like, down to nothing, I made corn chowder, and, and we were rationing out the peanut butter. So I figured that was, you know, that was about enough of that stuff. The sun has come out here. We've we've um, been selling stuff out in front of our house. And um, so we're eating again. <laughs> and we've got gas in the car. And we have hot water. So I'm not going to complain tonight. Um, yesterday, uh, I missed a whole bunch of stuff yesterday. Yesterday was a strange Wednesday. 
Normally I have, you know, a good long day at home to pick through paperwork or do different kinds of things. And I had a call from a friend that needed me to give her a ride to the doctors. So I went out and did that. She's one of my mentors, and she's a really wonderful woman. She's like in her late 70s and has worked her whole life. She's, you know, worked in like administration and different kinds of things like that. She knows how to organize things. She's very, very smart. She's one of those people that you just love knowing. Um, grew up in a huge family down on Mount Desert Island. No money at all. One of the stories she told us before was that she, um, that at her house the couch was the front seat of a truck or something, because that's what they sat on. I forget how many kids were in that family, but it was more than 10, less than 20. And uh, she ended up raising one of the younger kids, which is typical in a huge family, is that somebody becomes the mother to some of the younger kids because the mother can't do it all. And uh, she you know, she remembers a lot of the things from the old days and, and really does not take anything for granted. This friend of mine had uh, recent surgery for her brain, and it was unexpected. So she was, you know, kind of, tired and weak from that, and then found she had bleeding. So that wasn't too good either. But everything's good now. She, you know, she's doing good. She's got stuff, you know, working out. But I spent a lot of time with her yesterday. And also then last night I forgot to listen to Maine Exposed. So I listened to that today. They did a great job. Dottie was on last night with Lise DuPont and uh, Phil Merletti again. Phil was talking about being in Augusta this week. He was talking about all kinds of cool stuff that he's been doing down there. I don't know how cool he thinks it is, but I think it's fabulous. Um, he, um, let's see, how did he put it? Uh, he was talking about the testimony the day of the concealed carry permit hearing, which actually was not about the concealed carry permit. It was about constitutional carry, which means you don't need a permit. Um, but it was that that uh, testimony before the hearing like um, I played for you, I believe, last week. Um, he was talking about that day, and he mentioned about the time frame and how they had uh, you know, divvied up the time for the people that were testifying, and that his because he checked off the different issues he wanted to speak on, they made them do that. Um, he had three minutes total, and he said if you divided it by the number of issues, which I think he said were seven issues he wanted to speak on, he was thinking he would have 21 minutes total. They made it three minutes total for everybody, no matter what they were speaking on. So he, like he said, it would be like 25 seconds or something like that. Nobody could even talk for that much. So he just took his three minutes on that particular one. But what he's done, according to what he said last night, is a complaint's been filed because the hearing was not done properly. Um, I'm not sure he gave all the reasons for that last night as to what he was thinking, but I believe what he said on something else or someone repeated to me, I'm not sure where I heard it, was that the hearing did not limit the time for the people who had a, a job, basically like somebody from the state police or somebody from an agency, whoever spoke before the public spoke. And it was supposed to be a public hearing, meaning you're going to hear from the public, yet they limited the public. So that was one of the complaints. 
And um, there were a couple of things that he talked about uh, formally doing. And so that I think that's a really good sign because it, it basically says, hey, you know what, we're not going to continue doing business as usual here. Things are going to be returned to the rightful way they should be done. We're not going to just you know, railroad people and not listen to what they have to say. You're inviting them here. You're going to hear what they have to say. And, you know, if you were here last week and you heard that um, recording, you would you would be able to hear in the voices that, you know, time's up, moving along, next person. They did not give any sign of caring that they were cutting people off. It was the clock and the clock only. So um, he said he was going to be in Augusta tomorrow because I believe there's a workshop scheduled. Uh, the public's not invited to comment during a workshop, I don't believe. They were talking about that. And he said even if they're not allowed to talk during the workshop, he plans to make a point that how can they have a workshop when there's a complaint against their information gathering at the hearing and that they need to hold another hearing so that the public can have their say. So we'll see what happens. I think it's pretty exciting. Um, Phil doesn't have any problems expressing himself, especially when he's starting from a position of knowing what he's talking about. So I'm really excited about that. Um, politics continues as usual in Maine. We've got a lot of stuff still going on. It's not quite as uh, directed at the governor at this particular moment, but there's other things that are just kind of simmering in the background. Um, a lot of news stories showed up today online that I haven't had a chance to dig into too much yet. And we've got Hillary out in <laughs> running around in a van somewhere. That was pretty funny. Um, on Facebook, a lot of people are sharing just ridiculously funny comedy kinds of posts about Hillary Clinton. And, you know, it's political satire. It's like Saturday Night Live does, and it's very juvenile humor, but some of it is quite funny, maybe because I'm juvenile. I don't know. but um, So I was spending part of today trying to figure out what I was going to talk about tonight because sometimes I get into these reading marathons and it's like, oh, you know, who wants to listen to that? But I feel like it's worth it to put it sort of on the record, so to speak, and especially where some people don't, you know, they don't read a lot. They they're they're just not readers anymore. People like to see their things on video or hear it somewhere in an interview. And um the written word is being kind of pushed to the wayside. And a lot of times uh these people who are running the world um they put things in writing and then they can sit back and say, "Well, we told you. We told you about that." Remember we told you like Two years ago, we told you all about that. And you go, I don't remember anything like that. Well, it's probably because they put it in writing, published it somewhere where you could have read it, but you didn't. And um, they just go on because they figure, hey, you didn't object, so it must be okay with you. And that's part of the reason why I read it. I know everybody doesn't, you know, they just don't read things, and they especially don't go looking for something to read because they don't even read the things that are laying in front of them. So um, also there's another reason why I do that, and it's because I don't always have time to read it either. So when I see it, 
and it's like right now or, you know, the last couple of days or something I just saw, I read it because that way I'm reading it, digesting it, making a comment on it on the fly while I'm talking to you guys. So it helps me too. It helps me to, you know, get a little extra crammed into my already crammed into day. So that's the reason for that. Um, I'm starting my term paper for the bank. <laughs> I started it this afternoon. I collected a bunch of the letters that I've had recently, and I read them through and made notes on them. Um, I've looked up some of the people that supposedly signed them, although you know they don't. It's their underlings that do the work, and they just sit there in their VP position. But um, I've started my <laughs> my research on these people, and uh, they're spread out all over the place because it's a you know it's a North American bank. It's not a main bank, so I have to figure out how to approach it. And I've been really struggling with it a bit because you know it's the connections that I have. It's the people that I know that work with some of the upper levels of this bank and, and, you know, people who have various personal connections and it makes it a little hard, but I think it's time for it. I think that I've had about enough from them <laughs> and I just, I can't take it anymore. I got to do something about it. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Um, my friend, the one that I spent time with yesterday, <laughs> I didn't want to talk to her about anything too serious because she's dealing with a lot of serious issues and health and stuff. And But we've been, um, there's like three or four of us women who have been working together to try to situate ourselves because we've had various life experiences that put us in a position where we, you know, we, we didn't have our life fulfilled. We had We helped other people and then they disappeared for whatever reason. One of the people's divorced. Another one's widowed. Another one was left when she had a child young, so it was years ago, but she was left to raise her kid. And my, I'm a widow, even though I'm with somebody now. I, I'm still a widow. There's stuff left over from the old days. And we help each other because we've had different experiences regarding, like, property, banks, estates, you know, um, relationships with people who either helped or hurt our progress and getting our life back together. And so um, we're making changes this year. It's it's kind of like it's time, you know. One of the people has uh, decided she's either going to rent or sell the place she lived in this past winter because she was isolated and just had a horrible winter mentally, just looking out the windows and nobody coming and that kind of thing. So she's going to move back in town into a house that she had that she had been renting in town and, you know, just making a break, a break from it's like a family-type place where the family is ignoring her. So she's going to be making a break from that and moving back into town where she can spend some time with friends and do things. Um, my plan, I keep changing it because I'm like, um, you know, what's the best? scenario for say five years down the road or 10 years down the road and we don't know the future i mean it's like so what do you get rid of first if you're going to downsize what do you get rid of first and obviously it's the things you don't really need that much so we've been you know we've been thinking about how we're going to redesign some of this daily living we've already downsized a lot and it really makes a huge difference james will be happy to know i've been cleaning 
So I'm finding some interesting things as I clean. I've been finding interesting things from my past lives, as I call it, my different careers I've had, my different places I've lived, and uh, kind of laughing about some of it because it feels like it's somebody else's life. I mean, I spent 20 years working in schools. I have all kinds of stuff from school life. And I picked through a box the other night, and I just started laughing over it. I'm like, my gosh, look at this stuff. It's like I walked back into my life back then. You know, there was the, you know, the newsletters from school, some of the newsletters that I kept because at the time when my husband was dying, they were putting notes in the newsletters soliciting money to help me because they knew that, you know, I wasn't getting paid. And some of the people that I worked with had given me sick days and stuff so I could stay out. Um they did a lot to help me out, and it was in the newsletters. I used to help do the newsletters when I was there, but I had been out, so it was kind of cool. They saved them for me, and, you know, just stuff like that. It kind of reminded me of the old days. It was like a time capsule. Um, I found a whole bunch of stuff. I found a whole box of stuff on when I used to uh, work on the statewide efforts to get all the schools wired for the Internet and all of the issues that came up. They were talking about how to, um, you know, protect the young people from, you know, perverts or whatever online, although they weren't really thinking about that back then. They were thinking about kids going into a website and seeing something because at the time when, when the Internet was going into schools, it was the late 90s, and they were mostly going to, like, static websites. They weren't, like, emailing and, you know, except in a very... Uh, people were using email in sort of a, I don't know, almost like a hobby way. They weren't really using it for business yet because they couldn't rely on it. But there was nothing like Facebook. There was nothing like that. There was no immediate communication. It was just looking up information or watching a video or you know, maybe sending an email. So you know, all of the planning for that stuff, I mean, I had one page that, I must have been just beside myself nuts that year. I, I think it was 1996. Not sure now, but I must have been going to a conference every week somewhere about something to do with the Internet and about electronic education. And so I wrote down, you know, like I attended this thing, this is what we did. And I had all kinds of, like, paperwork it generated and grants. And oh my gosh, I saved the. I know why I saved them. I was thinking I would go back into that. You know, as soon as I had left that job, I was going to go back into another job similar, and I would have some of my work to show. But a lot of it I'd forgotten. It, I mean, it made me laugh when I saw it because I was, oh yeah, I remember that now. I remember going there. Um, it's one of the reasons why when I look at things now and I see how the internet's used, why I have the background to understand, you know, some of the, um, I guess you'd call it the trajectory that they had planned originally, how it, how it was planned to do this step and the next step and the next step, and it would form like this trajectory in a way to reach a goal. And um, the connectivity was very important, make sure it's everywhere, and then make sure it's used, you know. And um, now some of the issues that are coming up that I've seen in the last week or two have been about um, schools trying to maintain what they built because it's expensive. You can't just, you know, change the computers every year. 
it's a huge outlay. So they were talking about whether or not the computers need to be used the same way. And it was an article I was reading. And I and I can say that if I were doing it now, looking at how education is now, I would say the computers should be scaled back somewhat. And the reason I say it is because it can be a huge time waster. Um, it's supposed to be a tool. It's not supposed to be everything. So maybe writing things, you could use the computer for that, or looking up things. But as far as sitting there and you know just fooling around, uh, there's probably a lot of that because there was at the beginning. Um, probably a computer lab is a better idea than having it at each desk because a lab you could take a class there and you could you know do lessons or learn about something and then leave and go do something different without a computer. Um, I don't know. Those are just some of my ideas about education. All right. Um, I'm going to go in here and see if you guys are talking about anything important or if you're just... Okay, let's see. <laughs> Jameson says, I wonder if the delinquent tenant realizes the landlord's in the soup line. Oh, yeah, there was there was some interesting stuff this week regarding that, too. Um, when we were... You know, thinking, hey, why hasn't why haven't we gotten any rent through the mail slot? You know, we ought to go looking. Well, my boyfriend went over to see him, one of the tenants, the one that's late, and he said he didn't have any money and he wouldn't have any for two or three days. Um, he hasn't been able to get assistance. This is one of the things that's going on here in Maine is that because there's um, action from Augusta, from our governor and the Republican Party to try to scale back on welfare, they have put a lot of restraints on spending for different types of things. And they're, they're really trying to change the budget structurally. The governor wants the, the towns to keep their money rather than have it sent into the state and then returned through revenue sharing. So the revenue sharing part is being changed. Um, also, general assistance, because of all that stuff that was going on down in Portland and those types of things, depends on whether you get the cart before the horse. It's hard to describe this because we don't really know what the timeline was. But basically, waste in assistance caused the governor and the Republican Party to put effort on ending waste. Of course, the Democrats have come unglued over that. They say that not, that these people are heartless and they don't care about somebody starving to death or that they have no place to live. But a few weeks ago, I was telling you about the um, shelter in Portland and how they were crying poor down there, that they this was heartless, that these people were you know, living on hardly anything at all and that the state shouldn't be trying to cut back. But the point was, these people were making money off of the homeless. They were making significant significant amounts of money off the homeless. And uh, one of the one of the things I'd seen, which I could not verify, so just so you know, I did not see it verified. I didn't go that far. But someone had written that this shelter was reimbursed $130 per night per person. I don't know whether they call them clients or guests and that some of these people had been there for almost four years, and they had assets of their own. So this is what caused the, the outrage from the people who are 
you know, funding it, which is the taxpayers, and from the people who were supposedly the beneficiaries, which are supposedly the homeless people. But the backstory is that the beneficiaries were the people running the shelter because they were grossly overcharging for a mat on a floor in a big room. It wasn't even a room. It was people sleeping on a floor. So this is why people like me got agitated about it and said this is not right, and I'm happy the governor is doing this. And I had people in my own family who were very upset with me, thinking I was, you know, just like what the Democrats said, not caring about these poor homeless people. And it's like, are you kidding me? I care enough about these homeless people that if I was getting $130 a night, they'd be staying in a motel room with a shower and a private bed. They wouldn't be sleeping on a mat on a floor. So don't be telling me I don't care about homeless people. That just makes me want to, you know, just come unglued. Well, anyway, um, my tenant who needs assistance because he's not making enough money right now and is probably going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I've had him there quite a long time, and there's been some times where things have been pretty, pretty slim, and I haven't chased him for the money. But lately, in the last couple of years, I've had to because, have to pay the bills. I can't just let him, you know, squat, basically. So he had been for rental assistance, couldn't get it. That was last month. He went to a local agency, which is called Penquist, for help with his utility bill. I didn't realize he was having trouble paying it, but he has not heard back from them yet, and he's about to have his lights shut off in his apartment. I can't do anything to take them over because I have like light bills over there that are bad and I called this week about them to get the bills put off for at least a month until I can think about it what I'm going to do but it's like every day there's a new a new twist and I just keep laughing about it because what else am I going to do so the tenants are having you know a hard time and I don't have enough tenants right now anyway, so I need more tenants. So, And I don't qualify for anything. So when I called about the um, electric, here's what they said. Okay, you have ways to do this. You can enter into, enter into a payment plan. You can declare a medical emergency. You can um, apply for assistance with your bill. And I forget what the fourth one was. I think there were four things. And I said, well, I don't have a medical emergency, and I could apply, but it wouldn't do me any good. So I guess I'll take the uh, I'll take the um, payment plan. So that's what I did. So I think everything's all right with that. We'll see. Um, I'm just trying not to be stressed as I used to. You know, it seems to work itself out eventually. So that's the thing. I mean, even if my tenants knew I was starving to death, there isn't much they can do if they don't have any money. And uh, up here, if you're not one of the big conglomerates, you know, like a big like housing development or something, if you're a private landlord, you know your tenants. A lot of times they're like, you know, they're like your family in a way if they've been there very long because you get to know everything about them, their family and, you know, their situation and where they work and the whole works. It's not just a straight business arrangement for a lot of people. So, you know, 
the way I put it when I called the electric company, this is what I said to them because I said, I just need to know what you want me to do because the house meter, which is the one that's the biggest one because we ran the heat off of it, the house meter has the wired-in smoke detectors and it has the hot water heater on it and the central lights, like the lights in the middle of the building. I said, so if I can't work anything out with you, then I'm going to need to let my tenants know that they need to leave. And they don't like that. They don't want to hear that you have to have your, uh, you know, your emergency systems or your, you know, your um, smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors and stuff would have to be off because things have happened in the United States lately because of that. So they're not going to want to hear anything like that. So I figured, okay, for my memory bank for the future, always bring up the fact that somebody might be in danger if the power's off. So there you go. Um, Yes, Desert Pete, I like that. Get the get the car rental company going, hire all the unemployed. Yep. Um, I'm going back to see what else is going on up here. Yeah, car to put gas in, right? Exactly. Five dollars at a time. Just so you can run downtown and back. Let's see. Guest number three. I spoke to the female judge. Is this the kind of country you want to leave to your children? She hasn't returned. Oh, there's a YouTube on there, so I don't know what that is. Guest number three is saying that something happened, apparently. Welcome to the new people, if there's somebody there that I haven't seen before. Hi, Dottie. Hi, Leon and Desert Pete and some other people came in. Val came in. Um, we've had some pretty bad things happen in Maine regarding family court, so some night maybe we'll get a bunch of people in here if they want to talk about that and uh, talk about the horrible things that's happened to them. It's it's almost like they look for the worst parent, the most abusive situation, that's where they stick the kids, so that shows you how corrupt it is. It's not about the kids. Um, let's I don't know what Kelly is talking about, Fukushima and planets and all this stuff. So maybe someone who is just making a point. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Thank you, number three. The YouTube was the music that I played earlier, which was Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And I'm going to go to my links now and see what I had because I had a lot of stuff and see if there's anything on here that you might be interested in. Um, The thing that I found the most important right now is because I don't know if it's a rumor or true, but this is supposedly a TV website out west. Uh, KDRV.com is the website for this news um, site, and it has a video on it, and it was posted today. No, not today, two days ago the 14th. The writer of the article is Casey Kirshner, and it says near Merlin, Oregon. I'm going to read this because I haven't read through it all yet. Um, It relates to something to do with um, land rights again, the Bureau of Land Management and Mining. Um, There's been a lot of information lately coming out regarding um, 
the supposed operation called Jade Helm and Walmart closing in, like, I think mostly in the southeastern United States. All kinds of stuff that's going on, just a little pocket here and a little pocket there that don't seem to be related, but it's almost like all of a sudden everything's happening at once, so it's hard to focus your attention on any one thing. So those of you that know me know that the first thing I do when it gets like that and I'm sitting in the middle looking at every direction saying, I don't know what direction to go in, I step back and I step back and I step back until I can see the whole thing. And it, then sometimes you can get the big picture. You can see how these things are interrelating. And uh, I was called paranoid this week by a relative, <laughs> somebody I haven't seen in a long time. And I laugh because I think, I'm not paranoid. I just notice stuff. Paranoid to me means that you hide in your house because you're too scared somebody's going to get you, like the boogeyman. And that is not anything like how I feel. I don't feel like that. Okay, so this is the article. A land dispute is creating tension between miners in Josephine County and the Bureau of Land Management. The owners of the mines say they are afraid their rights to due process will not be respected and have now called in reinforcements. The oath keepers of Josephine County are gathering at a piece of property near Merlin. They're in the process of setting up a staging area in order to step in if they're needed by the sugar pine miners. Because we are a constitutional group, said Mary Emmerich with Oath Keepers. We defend the Constitution, and we are here just to make sure that they receive their Fifth Amendment rights, which is due process. The owners, called them, the owners called them in to help protect the property that they have mined for more than 100 years. The miners say documents they have grandfathered in, their surface, their, they have, let me start again. The miners say documents they have grandfathered in their surface rights to the property. So in other words, they're saying they have grandfathering in their rights, okay? But the BLM says the documents are outdated, and at some point the property has changed hands, which cancels out the grandfather process. Now the BLM says the miners have to tone down their mining operation to stay in line with the regulations. We've sent them those letters, said BLM's Jim Whittington. They also have the right to appeal our notice, that it requires either a plan of operation or notice and some informal contacts with their lawyer. It sounds like they may appeal. So if they appeal, that starts another administrative appeal process. The BLM says they have no intention of stepping in and that it will be a process before any action is taken. But even so, the Oath Keepers are going to make sure of that in the interest of protecting the miners' constitutional rights. Sometimes that's going to take days or even weeks and we are preparing for this to potentially last that long, said Emmerich. Josephine County Sheriff David, Dave Daniel also says he has been acting as a mediator between the landowners and the BLM. At this point, the only reason the sheriff's office would step in would be for public safety if the situation escalated. And there's tons of comments on here, um, well, 133, which is quite a few when it's on, um, on a site that you know, marks to people's Facebooks. These are real names of real people, shows their locations, etc. Um, and a lot of times, if you look through comments on an article like this, you'll get more information than you will even from the article because people who are knowledgeable about these issues and really want to make sure they get their, you know, their message out will write in the comments. So don't just think it's just somebody sitting there on their couch you know, having an opinion, because sometimes you'll find that they enter a whole lot of information that no one's going to see in the media. So it's a good place to look. Um, 
there's a video here too. I did not watch the video because I saw this late. I saw this late today. So I'm going to put this in the chat. Take everything with a grain of salt. Whenever I show you something, it's with a grain of salt. Um, it's Merlin, Oregon, and it's uh, BLM and mining rights. That's what that one is. So um, remember out at the Bundy Ranch, it was Bureau of Land Management also. Um, and there are, there are things going on in parts of the country that relate to land rights but we don't hear BLM so much here just because generally it it affects all those large, huge um, swaths of land out west. And um, I think that the federal government is trying to change the relationship of the people towards the land because there's also some things that have been coming out lately about um, offering national parks for sale and things like that. Now, these are things that the public set aside, and in my opinion, if they are already designated as a national park, they are the people. They are not to be sold for money <laughs> to some who knows who, some other country or some big corporation. So I've had my um, radar on about these issues really you know, cranked up high. I want to know what the heck's going on with all this stuff, because Maine's been affected by various um, interest coming in and trying to take over land in Maine. And, you know, there's only 50 states. There's only 50 states. So I'm sure that if you look around in the state where you live, you're going to see that there are things going on that are kind of weird about land. Just look around you and see. Um, I have a relative that works for BLM also as a firefighter. And I don't know what else they do, but they do firefighting for, like, the big forest fires that happen out there. So I haven't seen him in a while, but he has a very adventurous life. He, I forget what what uh, state he's in. I'll have to look it up, but I'll let you know another time. Um, so that one's gone. The tension one. Okay, what else related to that? Um, Godlike Productions this afternoon. I opened that up to see if there's anything new going on because there's been, you know, they've had things like, you know, the um, the guy that landed on the Capitol lawn in his little helicopter. They've had things like that going on and things about Hillary and stuff about Jade Helm and everything. So I was just checking to see if anything new was in here. And the first thing I see um, is a thread called, um, is the shit hitting the fan? Well, I always look at that because that's what they always, how they always describe the end game when we get there. It's going to be the shit hits the fan day. And people call it, you know, the initials for it. And so um, this has probably been around other places, and somebody probably just came in here and printed it, um, posted it. But the comments in a thread like this on Godlike Productions, sometimes people will also give out information if they know anything. It's a way to do it um, without anyone knowing who you are because they allow people to post anonymously on here. So... This is what it says. It shows a graph, and it has NACM, Rejection of Credit Application Index. And then it shows, uh, you know, the green where the green above the line, the red below the line, and then there's a huge red line going down for the present time, and it says the biggest spike in credit application rejections on record. Huh. Some of us can relate to that. 
Um, and it says, preparing for something big. What in the world are the elite up to? In recent days, we have learned that the New York Fed is moving a lot of operations to Chicago because of concerns about what a natural disaster could do. The federal government is buying 62 million rounds of ammunition commonly used in AR-15 semi-automatic rifles for training, in quotes, purposes, and NORAD is moving back into Cheyenne Mountain because it is EMP-hardened. In addition, government authorities have scheduled a whole host of unusual training exercises all over the nation. So are the elite doing all of this in order to prepare for something really big, or should we just chalk up all of this strange activity to rampant government paranoia? First, let's talk about what the New York Fed has been doing. What kind of natural disaster could be bad enough to completely shut down the operations of the New York Federal Reserve Bank? It would have to be something very unusual, and apparently the New York Fed is very concerned that such an event could happen. According to Reuters, the New York Fed has been transferring personnel to Chicago and building up its satellite office there just in case a natural disaster makes it impossible for normal operations to continue in New York. The New York branch of the U.S. Federal Reserve, wary that a, national, a natural disaster or other eventuality could shut down its market operations as it approaches an interest rate hike, has added staff and bulked up its satellite office in Chicago. Some market technicians have transferred from New York and others were hired at the office housed in the Chicago Fed, according to several people familiar with the build-out that began about two years ago after Hurricane Sandy struck Manhattan. Officials believe the Chicago staffers can now handle all of the market operations that are done daily out of the New York Fed, which is the U.S. Central Bank's main con conduit to Wall Street. This seems very odd. In all of U.S. history, there has never been a natural disaster in New York City that would have been bad enough to totally shut down the operations of the New York Fed for an extended period of time. So why are they so concerned? Well, I can think of one event that could cause such a disruption, an East Coast tsunami. This is something that I wrote about in this article, but other than that, it is hard to imagine a natural disaster which could shut down the New York Fed for an extended period of time. Another very odd thing that we learned about this week is an absolutely massive purchase by the government of ammunition that is commonly used in AR-15 semi-automatic rifles. The following comes from an article by Paul Joseph Watson. Well, we've probably heard of him before because he writes articles. I hear about him on InfoWars back in the day when I listened to it. I haven't listened to it lately, but... Um, the Department of Homeland Security is set to purchase over 62 million rounds of ammo typically used in AR-15 semi-automatic rifles just weeks after the ATF was forced to back down on a ban on M855 bullets. I don't know what those are, you guys. A posting of FedBizOps.gov this week on fedbizops.gov this week, reveals that the DHS is looking to contract with a company to provide 12.6 million rounds of 22, uh, .223 Remington ammunition. I don't know how to say them correctly. I don't do this stuff. Per year for a period of five years, totaling 62.5 million bullets. The solicitation explains that the purchase is intended to achieve price savings over the current 223 Rem duty ammunition. The bullets will be used by U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents nationwide for training purposes, it says in quotes. Why in the world would U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents nationwide need such a massive amount of ammunition for training purposes? That seems very odd. Something else that seems very strange is the fact that NORAD is moving back into Cheyenne Mountain after all these years. 
It shut down nearly 10 years ago as the threat from Russia seemed to subside, but this week the Pentagon announced that Cheyenne Mountain will once again be home to the most advanced tracking and communications equipment in the United States military. The shift to the Cheyenne Mountain base in Colorado is designed to safeguard the command's sensitive sensors and servers from a potential electromagnetic pulse EMP attack, military officers said. The Pentagon last week announced a $700 million contract with Raytheon Corporation, we've heard of them before, to oversee the work for North American Aerospace Command, NORAD, and U.S. Northern Command. Admiral William Gortney, head of NORAD and Northern Command, said that because of the very nature of the way that Cheyenne Mountain is built, it's EMP hardened. So the U.S. military is concerned about an EMP attack all of a sudden? Have they been reading the economic collapse blog? Spending $700 million to move back inside a mountain just because it is EMP hardened is a pretty big deal. Do they know something we don't? On top of everything else, we have been seeing lots of strange training exercises being scheduled all over the nation recently. For example, the following is from a news story about one being held in Iowa. This week, you may notice extra emergency vehicles and public safety officers running around in tactical gear, hazmat suits, and bomb suits. It's a part of a statewide drill Des Moines is hosting Tuesday and Wednesday to prepare emergency personnel for dealing with weapons of mass destruction. Brian O'Keefe with the Des Moines Fire Department said emergency officials in Iowa need to be prepared for anything. You know, we're number one seed producer with corn and soy, chicken embryo development, middle of the country heartland, so I'm sure all states access it, but we're a target like any other large community, said O'Keefe. And here is an excerpt from a news story about an exercise known as Northern Exposure that is being held in Michigan. The National Guard event is called Northern Exposure, which is taking place across Michigan during the month of June, he said. According to the Michigan National Guard website, Northern Exposure is a major exercise in Michigan where the military provides defense support to civilian authorities. In addition, the U.S. military will be conducting some unusual training activity out in Arizona and California. If you see some unusual helicopters overhead in the next couple of days, there's nothing to worry about. The One Marine Expeditionary Force G7, or I-Marine, I don't know which it is, will be conducting a realistic military training this week using the Prescott Municipal Airport as an airfield as a helicopter refueling point in order to facilitate a long-range raid at Camp Navajo, Arizona. This Certificate, certification exercise, CERTEX, they have in parentheses. <laughs> they must be CITOs, stars in their own show. I'm making up my things again. Okay. Um, it's directed to be conducted from April 8th to 21st, 2015, at various training locations throughout California and Arizona. The training at Prescott will take place on April 15th and 16th. So that means yesterday and today. So anybody out there, did you see anything? You know, that kind of thing. All of this is in addition to the exercise that people have really been buzzing about. It's called Jade Helm. And if you haven't heard of that yet, you must be hiding out because everybody's talking about Jade Helm. And it came up, it came up really fast, like a lot of topics that are supposed to catch our attention. So I'm always suspicious of that. Um, but there's just tons about it. Everybody's saying, is it Jade Helm? Is it Jade Helm? You know? So, um, I don't know. I guess just keep your eyes open. 
Um, and in this particular unconventional warfare exercise, the states of Texas and Utah will be designated as hostile territory. Uh-oh, right? And it's in quotes. Jade Helm is a challenging eight-week joint military and interagency, they have IA, unconventional warfare, UW, exercise conducted throughout Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, California, Nevada, Utah, and Colorado, according to an unclassified military document announcing the training drill, which runs from July 15th through September 15th. Multiple branches of the U.S. military, including Green Berets, Navy SEALs, and the 82nd Airborne Division will participate in the eight-week-long exercise, which may result in increased aircraft in the area at night. Troops will be tasked with honing advanced skills in large areas of undeveloped land with low population densities and will work alongside civilians to gain their trust and an understanding of the issues. The exercise in which some participants will be wearing civilian clothes and driving civilian vehicles lists Texas and Utah as hostile territory. Should we be alarmed by these exercises? Some people sure think so. Another thing that has people scratching their heads are the weird closures of Walmart stores all over the nation for supposed plumbing problems. Not just one, but five Walmart stores across the U.S. are closing their doors due to plumbing problems that in some cases will take four to six months to repair. Those closing include locations in Livingston and Midland, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and near Los Angeles. See, I thought I heard southeastern United States. So People are saying now that they're going to develop these superstores that are like wave of the future, and, and, and uh, other people were saying, so they gave people a few hours that they were going to be, you know, let go, that the store was closing. That doesn't make sense either. So they think it's something more drastic than that. So we'll see. Um, for the Brandon Walmart, I talked to Hillsborough County and Walmart to get answers about why these plumbing repairs will take so long and whether the issues are connected, but local customers are already skeptical. Why is it just plumbing problems? It's going to take them six months to fix up the store, asked customer John Mambry. Yes, is it really going to take them six months to fix the toilet? Either someone at Walmart is extremely incompetent or there's something fishy going on here. In the end, perhaps there's nothing to any of this. Perhaps all of these examples are just unrelated coincidences, but then again, perhaps not. Hmm. So here's the original posting. They're not usually that long. This person copied and pasted probably off of the article. So this is the one about... Um, I don't know, Prep and Jade Helm and Walmart. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a little of everything. And um, then I will give you the link that they gave, which is probably where they got this from. I think I may have had this link earlier because I told you I've been looking around at different things that were you know, showing up about um, Jade Helm and about something big happening. This looks like it might be one of the ones I saw. I'm not sure. Um, but they have links all through this, too, where you can go and actually look at what they're basing this on. It's definitely a copy in. Um, some people are talking about some type of celestial impact, like another um, asteroid that they're getting ready for. I don't know. When I was reading through that, it was the first time I read it, 
carefully. Um, I was thinking about New York City because the Federal Reserve is always a target, especially when people are mad about the Federal Reserve. It's always a target. But there's also um, some type of, of uh, networking issue there regarding some of the, uh, how do you put it, the um, electronic controls of the world. And that's been on Able Danger lately. It's been something they've really stressed, actually. It's called Base One Technologies. And it has to do with uh, encryption and, um, you know, the, the basic control structures, the electronic ones of the world, relate to the Bronx. And so no one ever even mentions anything about that stuff. But there's been a lot of stuff going on lately regarding electronics and um, taking down systems. Here in Maine, we've had um, two or three police departments recently who have had like an extortion type um, hacking where they get money to reopen your files for you. And um, there's probably bigger scale things going on in like banks and stuff like that. And they're probably worried that somebody's going to take out all their all their uh, ability to control things. So I can see why they might go to a hardened location for EMP reasons. Maybe they're just going to do some kind of thing using EMP, and they want to keep their stuff and the heck with the rest of us out here. I have no idea, but I know that there are people that have different aspects of this, and I don't have any way to talk to everybody other than to just say, this is what I see, okay? Um, nothing we can do anything about. It's the big boys fighting. Um, I find it interesting that Hillary was in Iowa, though, and they were talking about Iowa, because sometimes what they do is they'll use um, some, you know, normal thing that people would look at, normal, calling her normal, right? But use some normal things so that people looking will say, oh, well, she's just out there campaigning. She's just, you know, out there visiting, and it's ridiculous and all this. And it could just be a cover story to get somebody to a location and not be noticed. So I don't know. Hard to think like a criminal when you're not one. You know what I mean? So, so that's the. Uh, it's called Investment Watch. That website I just gave. That's where it came from originally. Alternative news covering finance, economy, politics, world news, and current events, and more. I've never looked at this website before, but um, it could be just somebody trying to set up something so they get news out because the media is not doing it. And it could be somebody from the government doing it for disinformation. Just remember, we don't know where this information comes from. And if we don't know firsthand or someone very close to us that's trusted, we don't know a damn thing. Just keep that in mind. Um, it says it was written by Michael Snyder. So, And on the Godlike Productions, if you look down through the comments, sometimes they'll be silly, but sometimes someone who knows something will put something in there. Use your brain and think about it. Sometimes it's the truth, and sometimes it isn't, but oh well. Okay, close that out. Come back, see what else is in here. I have all my stuff that I really want to make sure I get in there um, in yellow so I won't miss it. Okay, um, somebody passed around on Facebook this week about a botnet server. It says that enslaved 770,000 
PCs worldwide comes crashing down. It looks like it was smashed down by something, a missile or whatever, to take it out. But worldwide, 770,000, that's nothing. <laughs> and besides, who cares? After it's already passed through, it doesn't matter anymore. Do they really think everything's stored there? No, it's routed through there more than likely. But they said it was the origination of a lot of um, bad, like, hacker virusware or whatever it is. So um, it had a picture, supposedly, of this damage that took place because they knocked it down. Um, the SIMDA botnet that menaced 190 countries is no more. Dan Gooden wrote it April 13th. It's on a website called ARS Technica. I've never heard of that before either. I saw this on Facebook. Somebody was passing it around. Somebody who does network stuff. Law enforcement groups and private security companies around the world said they have taken down a botnet that enslaved more than 770,000 computers in 190 countries, stealing owners' banking credentials and establishing a backdoor to install still more malware. SIMDA, as the botnet was known, infected an additional 128,000 new computers each month over the past half year, a testament to the stealth of the underlying backdoor Trojan and the organization of its creators. And um, it says the backdoor morphed into a new undetectable form every few hours, allowing it to stay one step ahead of many antivirus programs. And then it just you know, it tells about the vulnerabilities in such software as Oracle, Java, Adobe Flash, and Microsoft Silverlight. So I don't do network stuff. I used to, but I don't anymore, thank God, because I would never be able to keep up with it. You have to really sit there and just do that all day long. That's all you can do, 24 hours a day probably. Sleep for 10 minutes and get up again and do it. Um, so I don't know the validity of this. I saw it mentioned from somebody who does network stuff and knows about things such as this, would know it in and out. So that's why I thought it was valid. The funny thing with these kinds of things, it's like with the uh, big anthem breach where all these people's, um, you know, all of their information related to healthcare and stuff and their banks and everything else was... Um, the, the servers were breached and everybody's information was out. And then they try to say they fixed it now and they'll help you with your credit and your various monitoring services. It's too late. It doesn't do any good because once it's out, it's out. Somebody saved it somewhere. You can't find it all once it's out. It's like your horse got out of the barn, ran down the road, and has been gone for 10 days. You're lucky if you see that horse again. Um our information's been compromised, and they probably did it on purpose because now they can say, well, it's already out there, so it won't hurt for you to give it to us again. <laughs> you know, you can't keep your information private anymore. That's what happened by putting it online. Um, and like someone was saying the other day, I think it was my boyfriend was saying that on these apps that people put on their smartphones, when you look in the... Um, terms of service or the agreement that you have to click on to go in there, um, it says things like we can do anything within your, it gives them permission to do whatever they want inside of your smartphone's software. They can take stuff out of it. They can look through anything they want. They can add things to it. So 
people don't read that. They click on it because they want to use it. Oh, this is cool. This is a little game I can play. This is awesome, you know. Or this is some business where I can get special deals. And and they just do it. They don't even think about it. So I have a feeling that um, some of the stuff as far as technology goes is uh, going to be a rude awakening for some people when it starts affecting their lives. Because all they had to say before was, you guys are paranoid. Who's going to care? They think it's private. They think it's like the phone in the old days, you know. You had to have a court order to tap it, and it's nothing like that now. All of it's looked at. Every single freaking thing that <laughs> you put online or use over a network is seen. And some of it is saved by people you, you know, don't know. And all of it is saved by our little friends out there in, uh, you know, Utah, Wasdale, Utah. So, <clears throat> all right, so let's see what else. I'm looking at the comments in here. Okay, so did I give you that one? Yes, I did. The bot in that one, I gave you that. Okay, close that. What else? Looking on here that's yellow. Oh, U.S. reconnaissance aircraft intercepted. Um, this was on, I think, Russia Today. RT, I believe, is Russia Today. In a minute, it'll open and I'll see it. No, it just says RT, but I think it's Russia Today, isn't it? I'm right at the top of the page, just after I say that. This is what it says. Keep up with the news by installing RT's extension for Firefox. Never miss a story with the clean and simple app that delivers the latest headlines to you. If I had time, I'd open it up and see what their <laughs> their licensing agreement is, but I bet you it's in there, what I just said, that they can do whatever they want. All right, um, this was published on April 11th, and I think that this stuff is what initiated a big argument between me and my cousin. I haven't seen for a long time, because she thinks I'm paranoid and that I am worried about everything, and all I said was, keep your eyes and ears open, because... Um, there's stuff going on between Russia, the United States, Iran, and Israel. And it's because everywhere you turn, you're seeing some little piece. And I'm like, this is, you know, some of this stuff is starting to get kind of serious. And um, this was just one of the stories that, I believe it was that day, the 11th. An American RC-135U reconnaissance aircraft was buzzed by a Russian Sukhoi Su-27 fighter jet over the Baltic Sea near Russia's Kaliningrad region, according to the Pentagon, which accused the Russian pilot of coming dangerously close to the U.S. aircraft. So this was just one of the articles that I saved to read later, and I didn't get back to it because, you know, things are either going to happen or they're not. I have no control over any of this stuff. Don't know if it's true or not. How the heck would we know? So I'm not going to sit and worry over it, but it's one of the things that I saved this week. More than likely, they're playing with their toys and making it look good because we have to think we have enemies all the time. That's one of the plans. We have to have enemies because otherwise, what are you going to do? You can't have people just doing their own thing. They have to be united against the enemy, right? <clears throat> okay, another yellow one. Um more stuff about Jade Helm. Let's see. 
I think I gave you the other one. Um, and I think it's the same website. So let me just see if this is the other article because that other one looks sort of familiar. Um, no, this is a different one, but it's on that same investment watch page. Proof of what Jade Helm 15 really is and why they are doing it. This is very important that you read it. Your life may depend upon it. That's what it says. And there's, I knew there was a place I'd seen this. Now I see it now again. Um, here's what the beginning says, okay? Um, they took this off a, a military website, dtic.mil. Taken from elsewhere on the net, originally posted by Slow Loris. See, people are passing things around. So, Jade Helm is not new. Jade Helm is at the end of its exercise. We are just now learning about it, just before the trap snaps shut. Jade is an app, joint assistant for deployment and execution. From the document, and then it says, quote, joint, Jade is joint assistant for deployment and execution is a knowledge-based mixed initiative system that supports force deployment planning and management. Jade uses case-based and generative planning methods to support the development of large-scale complex deployment plans in minimal time. Jade incorporates the technology of three tools, Prodigy, Prodigy Analogy, a combined case-based and generative planner developed by Carnegie Mellon University, Format, force management and analysis tool that supports case-based force deployment planning developed by BBN Technologies and PARKA, P-A-R-K-A, a highly indexed knowledge-based management system developed by the University of Maryland. With Jade, a military planner can build a preliminary force deployment plan including the time-phased force deployment data, TPFDD, in less than one hour. This speed in planned construction is possible because Jade supports the rapid retrieval and reuse of previous plan elements for use in the development of new plans. In addition, Jade employs an easy-to-use map-oriented drag-and-drop interface where force modules, FMs, from previous plans, cases, whose force capabilities and composition match the requirements of the current situation can be dragged from the case library and dropped onto a geographic destination. Plan modification and or adaption is supported through remindings. For example, each time that a force module is created or is copied into a plan, TPFDD, good lord, time-phased force deployment data, the user is automatically reminded of the need for geographical changes, unquote. Helm, homeland eradication of local militants. Jade Helm has been going for a while. First came the infiltration into key communities and local militias and organizations to assess the risk. Second came the report and later deployment of the needed military equipment to the local sheriffs and police departments. We have seen the procurement of arms, ammunition, food, and water in crazy amounts, and then those supplies were delivered to key locations. The trap is set. All is left is to herd us rats into the trap. Well, isn't that just special? And then it's got connecting the dots and it's got a bunch more stuff on here. Um, and it's, it, you know, that was number, that was the, um, actually, that is the, wait a minute. 
no, I left that. Connecting the dots. Let's see. So now we know what Jade Helm is. I will fill you in on the why. And then it's someone else's website. A snip from that. The revolutionary development of modern weapons within a world divided by serious ideological differences has produced a crisis in human history. In order to overcome the danger of nuclear war now confronting mankind, the United States has introduced at the 16th General Assembly of the United Nations a program for general and complete disarmament in a peaceful world. This new program provides for the progressive reduction of the war-making capabilities of nations and the simultaneous strengthening of international institutions to settle disputes and maintain the peace. It sets forth a series of comprehensive measures which can and should be taken in order to bring about a world in which there will be freedom from war and security for all states. It is based on three principles deemed essential to the achievement of practical progress in the disarmament field. First, there will be immediate disarmament action. Um, and let's see, that's all about disarmament. Okay, and then the second one, freedom from war. The United States Program for General and Complete Disarmament in a Peaceful World, and there's a summary for that. Number three, the means for their delivery, the elimination from national arsenals of all armaments, including all weapons of mass destruction, and the means for their delivery, other than those required for a United Nations Peace Force and for maintaining internal order. Wow, doesn't that sound fun? Just, you know, be at the mercy of this whole big control thing, right? Uh, task of negotiating state. The numbers in here must be for pages or something, the way they copy-pasted, because they're not ticked off by number. Um, this is all still about disarmament. Um as states relinquish their arms, the United Nations must be progressively strengthened in order to improve its capacity to assure international security and the peaceful settlement of disputes. I'm just picking out phrases here and there. I'm not reading everything. Um, let's see. The program provides for progressive disarmament steps to take place in three stages for the simultaneous strengthening of international institutions. First stage. The first stage contains measures which would significantly reduce the capabilities of nations to wage aggressive war. And then there's more to that. Um, where's the next one now? I don't know. I think somebody copied and pasted some of this, and it makes it hard to read it. Um, arms and arms, armed forces would be reduced. Um, And then the, net, the last thing on this page, many Walmart closings in Jade Helm states a sign that they will be used in an event. With news of numerous Walmart supercenters now being temporarily closed, six plus months each, which brings us to October 2015 or later, in at least four different states now tied to the Jade Helm 15 exercises due to what we're being told are plumbing problems, will these massive stores soon be used as food distribution centers and to house the headquarters of invading troops from China here to disarm Americans one by one as promised by Michelle Obama to the Chinese prior to Obama leaving the White House. Astute story comment I didn't hear that story before, by the way. Astute story commenters were quick to point out that any plumbing problem can be fixed in much less time than six months, even in such large super centers, and to have several of these six month closings all at once in states tied to Jade Helm fifteen and martial law exercises Florida, Texas, California, and Oklahoma, reeks of something much deeper than plumbing issues. The fact that China has demanded Americans be disarmed and the scheduled reopening dates, if they ever reopen at all, 
of these stores will be after Jade Helm 15 is completed are raising many questions about what is really going on among those who are paying attention to events in Barack Obama's New America as seen in more detail below. One reader tells us that one of these Walmart stores had just recently been remodeled and didn't have any plumbing problems, while the note below is from a source who recently called her local Walmart and discovered they may never reopen. Um, I don't see the note. Maybe it's in the maybe it's in the video. There's a video at the end. It's two minutes long. Um, this Walmart thing, I don't go in the Walmart. I got really um, turned off to Walmart probably in the I'm going to say it was probably the late 90s or so. I used to go all the time because of good prices and all that stuff. I thought they were a good American company. And um, I started watching some of the documentaries people were doing on how Walmart would come into these towns and just take them over. I mean, they just run over the planners and everything. They, you know, oh, you've zoned against the big store there. We'll do anything you want. We'll, you know, pave the roads. We'll put lights in. We'll change the traffic patterns. We'll, you know, do this and that. And uh, whatever it took. You don't like the way our store looks? That's all right. We'll do this design, and we'll put it wherever they want it, basically, because of the money. And then I found out about how they got their inventory was basically they don't buy it. They offer people space, and they sell it basically on consignment in a way, because if it doesn't sell, you're out of luck. You know, I don't, I don't know if you get it back or not, but um, they were doing business in a different way than most of us would think of. I mean, and it was just, you know, the way they would railroad people and run over towns, I just, I got really turned off to it. I thought, I'm not participating in this. So I stopped going to Walmart. Well, here in Bangor, um, we have a huge Walmart that was built just a few years ago, and I have not gone inside of it. But what I heard was <laughs> that the entrance was grossly huge. I mean, I heard it described as that it was so big that you could put a, a lot of people in it, and they didn't understand why it was designed that way because there was nothing in there. It was like walking into a big train station or something. So this kind of stuff kind of freaks me out when I hear this because it's like, what's built there? Is there anything underground? You know, whoever watches while they build these things. I don't know. I don't know what's there. I don't go in it. I know that it probably has enough stuff in there to keep people alive for a long time or to supply them because it has everything. My joke used to be that they wouldn't be happy until you were going to your gynecological appointments there because I knew they had, like, you know, hairdressers and pharmacies and, you know, you could go and have a little checkup or whatever. So you could live in a Walmart. You would never have to leave it. Um, so I don't know. I think that whenever you see something that's out of the ordinary, it can be something or it can be nothing. It can be nothing. Sometimes the dots are connected and they're nothing. But I find it very odd <laughs> to have all these things happening at the same time. Um, moving things to Chicago, too, and that other one I was talking about, man, Chicago, doesn't that seem to be where everything is located lately? It's like all the stuff goes back to Chicago. Everything leads back to Chicago. And... uh I don't know. I guess what I always say, just keep your eyes and ears open. So here's the other, here's the one I was just reading from. There's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. And and the thing is that Walmart's everywhere now. When uh, 
my late husband and I took our trip up to the Northwest Territories, way up above the Great Slave Lake. We went to Yellowknife. I talked about that before. The thing that was most amazing to us was when we came around the curve into the city of Yellowknife, that there were chains there. There were things like Subway and, you know, McDonald's. Or I think there was McDonald's there. Or there must have been. But there was a Walmart there. And when we went in the Walmart, it was like a Walmart anywhere. And it just cracked us up because we'd just been through hours of driving over dirt roads with nothing. No trucks, no anything. Remote, remote area. You know, you run out of gas, you're going to be there for a long time. So it was like, how can there be a city like this? We just couldn't get over it. And to have a Walmart there, that blew our minds. Because back then, Walmarts weren't everywhere. But now they are. They're, I mean, they're even in smaller towns. It's just bizarre. So um, I I don't know I just I don't know about this stuff but it's recently come to attention and there's a lot of people putting information out so um, there's a lot more information at that link I just gave and there's a video at the bottom it says uh, in the initial frame it says only Walmart would give five hours notice to lay off 500 employees so it was probably some people protesting losing their jobs. Okay, so that one, let's see, what else do we have here? Got some um, Hillary Clinton stuff, too. I've saved some Hillary Clinton stuff because I think it's funny. Let's see what this one is. This is the last one that I had on Jade, Jade Helm. This might be the same site. What's the name of that last one? Was that All News Pipeline? This is called All News go back on the web here. No, investment watch blog. Investment watch blog, is that what I call that? That's the one I was reading from. Those two different articles there. Um, the one that I'm that I have open right now is called uh, allnewspipeline.com. These are not websites I know. What they are are links that people have shared, either like Godlike Productions or on Facebook or somewhere like that, and I've just gone to look at it. So I have no idea who's doing these, okay? They could be anybody. They could be they could be the, uh, you know, the feds doing it. The, you know, they could be paying people to do this stuff just to get us going, you know? Pay attention to this over here. Look at the left hand so you won't know what the right hand is doing. Bombshell evidence suggests Jade Helm is connected to massive cyber event planned since 2013. Now, a cyber event, you know, given all the other stuff that's going on, that would not be a surprise to me at all. Uh, by now, most have heard of the planned Jade Helm 15 military training exercises due to take place throughout America from July 15th to September 15th, 2015. Um, which many believe is the U.S. government preparations for martial law where multiple states are listed as hostile with the U.S. military training for unconventional warfare with surgical strikes and extractions, among other things. These exercises have been dubbed unprecedented and dangerous by former military members. There will be, a related, link, there will be related links to ANP's coverage starting back on March 13, 2015, when Stephen Stanford that a real name, that sounds odd, first published the leaked documents of this planned event 
and then it says videographer Dabu77. We've heard of him before. He does all those like uh, things about, you know, UFOs and the sun flares, and he does a lot of um, this type of video. Has highlighted the latest Jade Helm 15 bombshell, where evidence has emerged that these exercises have been planned since 2013 and since at least 2014 have included a connection to a massive cyber event. Um, links provided in Dabu's video details take us to a couple of LinkedIn pages. Mia Kelly with a job description that states Cyber IO Planner for Exercise Jade Helm at ICE from August 2014 to present, showing that from January 2014 to August she was the Cyber IO Planner Jade Helm for the VATC. Um, the thing is, these things can be planted as well. You know what I mean? Um, so you don't know whether they're real or not. You know, there were there were LinkedIn sites for the Ebola nurse, Casey Hickox, but when people went back to look again, they were gone. So were they legitimate sites? Did she actually work at the places it said that people copied and pasted? Or was it just put there so that she would have credentials? She could be an actress. We have no way of knowing these things. So here's the one that I just was talking about. More stuff. Okay, there's number seven saying we're old buddies. So hi, number seven, whoever you are. We don't have our people writing their porn novel tonight or coming in to give racial stuff to us. So that's kind of cool. Maybe it worked to just block them all. I don't know. So if you see anything bad, just let me know, and I will try to uh, get them soon. So, <clears throat> I'm going back to my links and see if I can get through the yellow ones and then stop and see if you guys want to keep going or not. I have a few things that are, you know, they're not really related to much of anything. Everything is related in some little way, but, you know, they're not all huge things that can't wait. This is more or less, I keep these things so I can go back and read them again. Um, oh, I had somebody was talking about when Hillary was interviewed, and she said, uh, we came, we saw he died, and then laughed like a maniacal witch. I have that video on YouTube if anybody wants it. People are posting a lot of really funny things, and they're, excuse me, they're bringing out things from... Um, what they've saved up because mm, I don't think anybody really wants her for the nominee for you know candidacy for president. I keep asking why she's not in prison. She has no office. Why hasn't she been arrested? I understand why she has secret service because she's a former first lady, but what's with this, you know? What's with this? Do they actually have a suspension of of um culpability or whatever when they're in these offices? Is it like the ambassadors from other countries when they come, they get immunity? Because that's certainly what it looks like. <clears throat> um, I don't know if you saw the 1995 video of uh, Obama doing a book talk at Cambridge. Um, that was passed around a lot. I watched it. It was sort of interesting watching him and seeing somebody younger, you know, how he was when he was younger. 
Um, it says it was taken in 1995. If you haven't seen it, I'll give it to you. You could go watch it if you want to. But he was talking about uh, Frank, and uh, people were associating it with Frank Marshall Davis. So let's see if that's... Barack Obama admitted in a recently unearthed 1995 video that communists schooled him on white racism. That was what the little subtitle was. Um, that he had written about Frank Marshall Davis in his book, Dreams of My Father. Um, some people think that he is his real father. Here's the um, link to that. Red flag news. I don't look at these either. We're getting new websites all the time. Maybe we should do our own and put our own news on it. Dottie does it. She has her news. Yes, number seven says I know who it is. Uh, don't deny I know who it is. Is it John? The only I hear they got snow out near your way, James. Can. I don't know who number seven is. John's been coming, so I don't think it's John, but it might be John. I don't know who it is. Okay. I can't see through the numbers to see who the people are. So <clears throat> We've had some interesting stuff related to weather here, too, because now the um, ice and snow are starting to melt. And upcountry, there's still snowpack on the ground. And the rivers are still frozen somewhat up there, so there's big, huge chunks of ice that are coming down through. And they always hold their breath because it floods roads, and sometimes it takes bridges out and ruins people's houses if they're too close to the river. And um, it's just, you know, some of the videos people are posting now because they have the ability to do it. They're pretty cool. And um, if I get a chance, I'll try to stick some in there towards the end. Get the content out first, right? And then relax and drink your tea. Let's see. Um, oh, 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 Hillary Clinton. <laughs> this was funny. I saw this on Facebook today. And apparently it's been shared all over the place. So if you haven't seen it yet, you will probably. I am an everyday Iowan, and here is how close I got to Hillary Clinton today. By Erica Smalley, two days ago it says, um, it shows her, it says, uh, I grew up in Iowa. I am currently a student at Kirkwood at Community College. And then it goes down through and it says how Hillary came to town and what it looked like. And she took pictures. And it's deserted. Everything is deserted. There were people waiting around because they wanted to see her. And it's Iowa, so it's flat. And it's just farmland, you know. And the protesters, there are like two or three people. And um, it's it's very funny the way she did this. And um, then they never got to see Hillary. Basically, they kept everybody away. They, you know, whisked her in and out of the building. And uh, that was it. That was her big splash in Iowa. So it kind of makes you wonder what the truth of this visit was, because I don't see how it could have been a big event if it looked like that. But anyways, here's your uh, link to that. Funny. Make sure you go look at this because it's very funny. Um, and earlier today, oh, let's see how many shares. 55,000 shares, 687,000 views. 
and right now there's 391 people looking at it, so it's very hot right now, probably because it's funny. She's a legend in her own mind. What would that abbreviation be? Legend in her own mind. A lie home. <laughs> Might as well give you the one with the cackling on it while I'm right here. But if you want to. Um, we came, we thought he died. Yeah. She just she's very full of herself. Yep, that's it, James Gunn, Lihom, L-I-H-O-M, legend in her own mind. Here she is. We came, we saw, he died. Cackle, I'll put, because she cackles at the end. Apparently it's really funny. Whatever she does is hysterically funny, right? Okay, let's see. All right, all my yellow ones are, no, they're not all done. One more. Tony Blair, XPM Tony Blair, accused bidding global domination vows that leaders, I don't know what that means, probably just abbreviation. This is a Daily Mail article that I didn't go back and read. I kept it because it's Tony Blair. And um, these people don't go away. They go out of office and they go do other things. And we ought to keep our eyes on them. We ought to be watching everything they do, but we lose track. There's too many of them running around. Um, uh, April 11th, updated April 12th by Glenn Owen, political correspondent for the Mail on Sunday, which is the dailymail.co.uk, United Kingdom. Tony Blair yesterday faced accusations of megalomania over an interview in which he vowed to set up his own leaders' club of ex-statesmen and appeared to dismiss the need for democracy. The ex-PM said he wanted to create a cadre of former leaders to advise government, saying, you can get some of these guys who are fantastic executors. Why not use their talent and their experience? He added, why not come up and help the president of this country or the prime minister of that country? Well, <laughs> you know, nothing like being blatant. Democracy isn't working. It shows it like it's the cover of Newsweek. I don't get Newsweek, so I don't know if this is the actual cover, but it's a scary picture of Tony Blair. He's not looking real warm and fuzzy. Um, Mr. Blair also praised the authoritarian military regime in Egypt, which has, not, which has been accused of human rights abuses, saying, yes, democracy is important, but democracy is not on its own sufficient. You need effective government taking effective decisions. Um, it described Mr. Blair's ideas of leadership as close to a benevolent benevolent dictatorship. You know, um, I don't know if you remember. I know I talked about it before, but it may have been long ago before any of you ever came to any of the UDA shows. But Tony Blair came to Maine. He spoke at commencement at Colby College. And <clears throat> I remember at the time connecting a few dots because there was a building at Colby College named Diamond after, was it Diamond or Diamond? Because we have a Diamond and we have a Diamond in the current events news articles from the old days. But there were people there protesting because they said they didn't want a war criminal speaking at a college commencement in Maine. They didn't want him here. Oh, there was a big stew about it. But what the heck, that Diamond guy, he related to... 
the banking scandals and stuff. Was it Barclays? I don't know. I'll have to think about it some more. But Tony Blair came to Maine and spoke at commencement in the last few years. So he's one of their, you know, one of their people that they want around. So if you open up that link, you'll see his face. And it's kind of a little bit on the creepy side. He was younger, it wasn't quite so. <clears throat> okay, I think now I'm down through all the yellow which was all the ones I wanted to make sure I got in no matter what. <clears throat> um, I'm, I guess, going to take a little break for a second and just see what you guys want to talk about. There's just always tons of stuff. Um, I don't know how urgent any of it is, and I've been talking for quite a while already. An hour and a half is pretty long. <laughs> so I saw some interviews done on some of the local, you know, podcast type things where I saw some people that I know personally doing these interviews, and I was like, oh man. Every day you look, and there's like ten things you should watch or listen to, and you just can't do it. There's too many. So. Um, I skim some of the reading and I watch, you know, videos that aren't too terribly long if they're just political. If it's something that has information in it, I might watch it longer. So um, I'm going to stop for a minute and see what you guys are talking about before I put everybody to sleep. Oh, we've got a good crowd in there tonight. got a lot of the regulars and... And nobody's come in to bother us, so that's pretty cool. All right. Um, Cody B is an ass in disguise. That's James Ken. Um, James Ken says, time flies on Uda. It definitely does, because I always think I don't have energy, and then I look at the clock, and it's like, oh, my gosh, I've been talking all this time. It probably saves some of my family that I am friends, that they don't have to listen to me every minute. But I get tired of talking to somebody who just thinks I'm nuts. I mean, it's like you're you're actually doing a service just by listening to me talk because I realize there's somebody out there that knows what I'm talking about and understands it. Um, when I tell somebody that there are such things as uninterruptible autopilots and that planes can be crashed into mountainsides from... Um, remote control, they think I'm crazy and I made it up. I'm like, I'm not crazy, I didn't make it up, and it was right there in plain sight. All of the stuff is in plain sight. But you can't just sit there and wait for somebody to tell it to you. You have to go looking for it because they're just not going to tell you. They want to have what they consider to be the high ground that they warned you, and you were just too stupid to see it. So if you don't pick up on it, you know, it's just like playing chess. If you don't pick up on it, you're not going to know what the next move is. So you better be paying attention to that board all the time. Um, it was in plain sight right after September 11, 2001, because they talked about how this could never happen again because they were going to fortify the door, the cockpit door, and they were going to have a way where they could control airliners from the ground in case they were ever hijacked. They could override that 
and land the plane. You don't need a pilot on a plane that's controlled this way. They're almost there as window dressing so that people will feel confident. They don't have to fly the plane. They can fly those planes remotely, just like a drone. And I'm the nutty one because I tell about it. I'm the nutty one. I'm making it up. I'm a conspiracy theorist. I need my tinfoil hat. Okay. I'm not getting on any planes because for all I know, somebody they don't like is on there or they want to ditch this one and get a new one and they get insurance too. Think about it. We don't need that. There are systems that can work for good or bad. And right now we have some people that really love the toys. So, you know. Um, on that topic, Field was in Germany. And because I had a weird day yesterday, I didn't listen to his broadcast yesterday, which I guess was a, a program that they did over there, over in Europe. So I can't wait to watch that. I'll watch that probably tomorrow. Um, I heard it was really good. If anyone's in the chat that saw it, they can let me know. But, uh, yeah, Jameson says we're all nuts. I don't think we're nuts. I think we actually see things, and that's good. So I will be sitting there watching. Sometimes I'll be, you know, using my little tablet computer, and I'm sitting there reading stuff and scanning through and planting little seeds here and there in the comment sections and taking this information and sending it over here to somebody who's going to use it, you know, just like a little clearinghouse. And I'll hear something come on the TV, and it's an ad, and I'll just sit there and I'll go, that's brain entrainment. <laughs> my boyfriend goes, what are you talking about? I said, do you hear that? That's not real music. That's brain entrainment. Because if you ever go and look at brain entrainment videos, like um, on YouTube or anything, there's certain types of sounds that bring your attention. They, they're they made to bring your attention. It would be like a phone ringing or or something going boop, 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 like that. Because I'm not paying attention, all of a sudden I hear it. It's brain entrainment, so does that mean I'm not sure that I just noticed it, you know? Oh, good. Desert Pete says, Field's got a German perspective on that incident. Great. Of course, he goes and you think it's going to be great. Everybody's going to now snap to and realize what's going on. And how many years have we been hoping that was going to happen? When he went to Malaysia and was talking about the missing airliner over there, we figured, hey, something's going to happen. He's been over there. He's talked to all these high-level people, and they still didn't do anything. So, you know, you start wondering, are they complicit or are they clueless? You know, do they think that, this stuff is just too preposterous to be real? Or are they complicit and they're just listening to every all the information you have to re you know, regroup and design their game differently? So there's some people holding their information close to the chest and some people who are blabbing. <laughs> I blab, but I'm just speculating. I don't really know a darn thing. Um there was a new interview with Stephen Bassett that I watched this morning. It was uh, He's one of the people that works on disclosure for alien presence on the Earth, and some people think there is, and some people think it's just a story to make people worry and to allow military buildup. But I don't really know. 
um, Roswell, you know, they talk about Roswell in 1947. Well, listening to that interview today, he was mentioning about in 1952 when um, there were aliens around the White House. <laughs> there were UFOs hovering over the White House. I've heard that story many times. But today, all of a sudden, I went, wait a minute. That's when my parents moved us to Maryland was that year. Our family went to Maryland. So when I've told you about some of the stuff my father worked on, I was like, okay, well, maybe he was down there because of that. He would never have told because people that do those secret jobs, they don't say a word. They they take that information to their grave. They would never tell. So it's possible that we went to Maryland for that reason because I never asked. I was a baby. I, why would I think anything about it? He moved down there. He worked at a radio station. That's what everybody would have said. But look how close we were to Washington. Like, I don't know, half an hour maybe? Half an hour drive? So, you know, that gave my mind something to work on for a while. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, it's like a movie. It's like a plot twist. So... Um, why did he leave New England and go down there? That was the furthest south we ever lived, and then we came back to Maine um, probably, I'm trying to think how many years later, um, five or six years. They weren't down there very long. So it's possible that he had a job that was related to something they needed done because my father had specialized knowledge. Okay, so what else? Look through my stuff. Does it, Pete? Are you calling in tonight? Update from the West Coast. Sounds like you're going to be right in the middle of that Jade Helm thing if it takes place. You'll have to let us know what's flying over your head. That happens. So, um, get my notes for the past days, see if I have anything on here that's interesting. This is the 16th, so seven days ago was the 9th. Um, I didn't, I didn't use this last, last time at all. Um, last, the last Able Danger show that I watched, uh, Field was away, so Craig was hosting it, and David Hawkins was talking about Base One Technologies located in the Bronx, um, that this was all set up in 1994. Um, Warren Christopher was Department of State. He was talking about the diplomats were reinventing government. They were running around the other branches of the government, the other um, departments, and that the Pentagon renovations had something to do with this in some way. We knew it had something to do with September 11th in some way. And then somebody came, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said, Base One. Um, if you say that in Arabic, it's Al-Qaeda. So they are blow your mind, right? Blow your mind. Um, all right, I see Desert Peaks here. So I'm going to go and unmute him and see what's going on out there in the other time zone out in the west. Hi, Desert Pete. Yeah, good evening. I um, 
the terrorist report from uh, the West Coast. Oh. Uh, the uh, spooky thing, this ties into what you were commenting last week. Didn't you say that there was a, a an Anatov big model plane supposed to be flying through? Bangor? It went through. I got a picture of it, but it wasn't you a very did. good one. Oh, yeah, there there was a uh, an article, too. So I will find that while you're talking. Go okay, ahead. did you hear what has happened to the Anatovs since last week? No. All of them disappeared. All of them? Including they that were, one? They were stored in Ukraine ah. and uh, had some big contract with India. And then in the course of, I don't know the time span, but a very short period of time, well, it obviously happened since you actually saw one yourself. It and came from Houston. And the report now. All of the Anatovs being stored in Ukraine along with their entire fleet of support engineers, all disappeared from Ukraine. Really? Where'd they go? Well, you saw one in Bangor. Um, there was well, another related. told us that that was the only one that was flying. That was what was so weird, but it must have been okay. different size ones, right? There are size only ones. two big monster, I think yeah. 220, 225 is the model number on that one. Yeah, the big There one. are several 224s, and then there's another model or two. Well, the point is, altogether, it's like a dozen planes okay. make, make up the entire fleet. Uh, but they just all disappeared out of Ukraine. Now, now uh, as I've been told, Russia actually owns them, but for whatever reason, I guess logistically, was storing them under contract down in Ukraine. Well, as we know, Ukraine and Russia have got some major issues going on right now. Well, you know what's funny? I just went and got that that uh, article that showed the pictures of it and everything. There, there was actually more than one article, but this one had a video and stuff. Um, at the bottom it says, an earlier version of this story incorrectly referred to the Antonov AN-225 as Russian-made. The plane is Ukrainian-made. It says that at the bottom. Okay. So they clarified uh, it. It might be uh, Russian-owned and then manufactured in Ukraine might be the uh, the correct way to term it. Uh, I've got uh, a couple of stories I'm going to put here in the chat room. Uh, the first one is about uh, the planes disappearing along with the support engineers. Wow. That's pretty exciting, and, actually. And then the uh, the next one is equally weird. Um, An Anatov was uh, contracted to. F uh, let me get the. Thing. I can't talk and paste at the same time. G give me a second. All here. right. Antonov. Antonov. It matters when you go look it up. So. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it. A N T. Because a lot of people say Anatov. Because I don't know why. Because it's Russian, probably. Yeah. The uh, uh, the next story is uh, one of the big ones got contracted to ship 150 tons of diplomatic mail uh, to oh, how do you pronounce the country? Uh, Abu Dhabi. Oh. Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. My browser just crashed in the middle oh, of Oh, sorry, so. but I'm reading what you put. 150 yeah. tons of diplomatic mail 
and a fuel stop in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. Right. Abu Dhabi was kind of the halfway point of the trip, but it was going to one of those crazy stands, not, not Kazakhstan, but one of the other ones uh, in, in that part of the world. I heard some stand this week that I hadn't heard of before. What the heck was it? Yeah, it wasn't but, Kurdistan, but it was something else like that. Yeah, but the uh, the point is, it was 150 tons, and it was labeled as diplomatic mail, which meant it could not go through any customs check. <laughs> uh, oh, very special. Yeah. <laughs> really. All right. Is my Did browser... you get your browser back? It'll erase everything that's in the um, chat for you, but I am going looking for it for you. I'm it will. Um, yeah, because I, I had one other story oh, here. here where I got it. Wait a minute. I just had it. If it comes back to life, I'll, I'll get it into the chat somewhere. I had the exact thing, though. U.S. sends mysterious 150 tons of diplomatic mail to embassy in Kyrgyzstan. It says Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. That was it. Yeah. Red Dirt Report. So here's the here's the link to that again. And uh, get Desert Pete to get his stuff back up and running. Uh, here's the link to what he's talking about. Kyrgyzstan. K Y R G Y Z S T A N. Because guest seven's asking. Uzbekistan. No, it's Kyrgyzstan. So now you're back. And I just put it in. And I don't think it'll let me put it in again for you, but you already have it anyway, right? Okay. Uh, it won't let me repeat that link. That That's the 150-ton yep. headline, right? Okay. Yeah, it's the one you said. Now, so the last one. The report. It says, yeah, yeah the, uh, the third report I'm going to try to paste in now, if I can talk and paste at the same time here, which is a major challenge for me. This is uh, exciting. I'm excited. Washington has remained tight-lipped. Shoot. Yeah. Them. Okay. Here, here's the third story. Is uh, okay. I found a, a Russian website commented on it, and they published published some funny cartoons on on the whole issue. That is so weird. But yeah. this. But wait a minute. This is earlier. This is March. Um. It says March on here. Okay. Well, that that could be it. But don't forget, March was only a few days ago. Yeah, we're, but what I'm saying is... We're only 17 days one, in, into April here, so... Right, but the big one that was here was only a few days ago. It was like a week mm, okay. ago. All right, but the disappearance, though, that was the, within the last week. Yeah, maybe they took that thing over there and they put stuff on it, too. That is so weird. The disappearance of the planes, but not the cargo, right? Because this cargo one says... See, I haven't read this, but... Cargo was delivered during two separate flights by the AN-124 transport jet. Flights took place between March 28th and March 30th, and each time the plane was en route from United Arab Emirates capital Abu Dhabi to the Manas International Airport. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. They're probably uh, reading through all the stuff. They're probably reading through all that stuff. <laughs> well, all this stuff has happened within the last month here, the, the mysterious yeah. deliveries, and, and now suddenly... The whole inv the whole fleet disappears from Ukraine, and where did they go? Along with the engineering staff, where did everybody go? Yeah. Uh, but remember so. that Malaysian one; those people were working on taking aircraft and 
putting it in stealth mode, they can make it disappear. Yeah. To it. Uh, now, like I say, the the two two five is the really big mammoth monster that's yeah. just a world record plane. But the other ones are nothing to sneeze at either. No, they're big. They are. Each of the other ones is bigger than a seven forty seven. Uh, so that that's huge. Um, and for them to just up and move the entire fleet, well, where did they move to? Now, now we get back to the same things we've talked about on the missing Malaysian airplanes and uh, and everything else. Is we know somebody knows where everything is at. Are uh, you saying that the other part where they were talking about them all being missing is that on the same website or a different place? I think that was the first story I put up. Of, okay. you're, you're right. My whole screen is wiped here. But well, I think let's that, see what else is on it. Was it on this site? If I look down the page, do you think I'll find uh, it? Because that I, one was April 15th, so that was just yesterday, that story. Okay. My missing plane story. Let me see where I was. I, I, I sent this. Yeah, the, the air transportation, Russia shuts down Indian AN-32s. Yeah. Uh, that that's the headline, and that's that's yesterday, and that that's the one that points out uh, the missing support staff and such. Um, and I guess only the, one I oh I see. Why isn't it highlighting your link so that it can be clicked on? I don't understand why it isn't. Uh, well, I pasted it out of an email I sent to somebody else. Oh, because it, it's got that ass I bet. Let me see if that's the reason. Let me... Uh, we'll take it out. No, see, it did it with me, too. So it's the S. It's the S for the secure site, I think. Um, uh, I don't know. I've I, had that happen before, though. I'm going to try it one more time here. I just put it in there, too. Yeah, yours, this time it worked. Why didn't it before? Did you put something too close to it? I put one extra space after the line. I guess if it if you just put the text in only, it does not turn it into a hypertext link. But if you add a space, it makes it okay. into a link. Well, it's there now. Oh, there we're all. Uh, so anyway, th that's kind of the mystery of the day. But it's interesting that you actually saw one only a week ago. Yeah, it uh, was. I think the 11th, didn't it say? Let me think. I I think it was the 11th, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I just uh, learned of that story uh, on uh, talk on on rents uh, either last night or the night before last, uh, where his guest, who was a military expert, brought up the story of uh, of the missing planes and and engineers. Uh, so that's when I I did a Google news search to to try to find it, and lo and behold, there it was. There were several stories about about the issue. Uh, That's very strange, but it's a different one. It's a different. This is a different series of airplanes, obviously. Yeah. Right? Okay. But here again, all of the Anatovs are huge planes. Yeah, they are. The 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 two two five is the world record setter, but but the other ones are still bigger than a seven forty seven. So this is a, a a major group of airplanes here. Yeah. Uh. Well, all of the stuff that they've been doing lately is a little odd and fishy anyway. So. Uh, very. Yeah. And then, okay, now adding my own personal observation here, you're giving the, the insider report from what's happening in, in the Bangor Main Air, Airport, and I'm 
giving the insider report of what's happening here at China Lakes. Uh, now I'm losing my time frame here. It wasn't last night. I think it was the night before last. Late at night, about 11.30, midnight, I'm ready for bed. I'm not dressed to go running outside and look at anything. Yeah. Cur- curtains are drawn. And what do I hear coming overhead? It sounded like a World War II four-engine propeller plane <laughs> along with a jet. It was two distinctively different type of engines. Yeah, and when you're used to hearing certain things, you know when it's not what's normal. Well, I mean, exactly. I, I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I hear stuff and I'm like, what the heck is that? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, they, exactly. they travel through here in the early morning between 2 and 3. If somebody's awake, they'll hear things. But I think that's why they do it then. Well, that's it. Yeah, because the, uh, the, the two planes I'm, I'm so used to hearing out here is either... F-18s flying out of China Lake, or C-130s doing maneuvers out of Fort Irwin on the other side of my map here. Yeah. Uh, So there again, it could have been a C-130 escorted by a jet, but that didn't sound like the C-130 turboprop engines I'm used to. That sounded like an old piston propeller engine. What do you think they're up to? Well, the I can't pronounce it. The the Jade. What was the project that you were you were talking Jade about? Jade Helm. It's Jade going to be around you apparently, so you'll be sitting there seeing and hearing all kinds of stuff. I'm wondering it. Well, they mentioned desolate areas. Well, we're definitely in a desolate area here. Uh, yeah, and they mentioned they mentioned both Nevada and California. Okay, so well, they're, if California they're talking was about that whole big wide open space out there. Yeah, well, if California was included, then that that's definitely what's going on. Uh, but but I'm that not, wasn't supposed to start till June, I don't think, but maybe they're getting ready for some things. Well, I'm also not used to hearing low-flying air, airplane, aircraft that late at night. Yep. Uh, they do some freaky stuff at low altitude here, but that's usually during the middle of the day, so it's bright sunlight. You can see them, too. Did you notice the the hysteria that they put out over that guy who landed on the Capitol lawn with his little helicopter? Yeah. You would have thought it was like a missile. I said, I don't understand it, because unless they've changed anything, you can walk right up to the Capitol building and walk up and down the stairs. The security yeah. doesn't take place there until you get in to where you enter the building, I believe. They were talking about airspace, but I mean, does that mean that the kids don't fly kites? He was like 150 feet off the ground. People could have hit him with a rock probably when he got there. So what was the huge deal? I don't know what's going on. How did anything? They said, oh, the airspace, you know, and stuff. It's not a jet. It was this little, it was like a lawnmower. It was like the people that were standing there, any of those people could have had something dangerous on them. So yeah. it wasn't like he was more dangerous, but they were like, oh, this isn't good. You know, it was like it is a little single-person light thing. I mean, Well, n- news media hype and story of the day kind of stuff. Well, I keep wondering if they're trying to make these people feel that they're vulnerable, like, you know, the send somebody in and make them – they said it was just him wanting to deliver some letter or whatever, some 
statement, you know, make a statement. But sometimes I think they do these things to make people feel vulnerable that somebody can get to them at any time. Because remember, like, when those party crashers were in the White House and they were mingling with the, with the, the president and other people and nobody even knew who they were? They were like party crashers. Do you remember yeah. those people? Yeah. They just showed up. Right. <laughs> you know, that's a little alarming if you think you've got security going on. At least they dressed for the occasion, I guess. So. Yeah, they did, but they walked right up to the president. And there's people, you know, they, they, um, are they testing security or making a point or, you know, if you wanted to scare somebody, all you have to do is just say, you know, I was standing right beside you, or you say, here's a picture I took of your family, you know, it's like, oh, I never saw that. They may be sending a message to people to be afraid. I don't know. It's just bizarre. I feel like I'm in a movie and we're just watching the the latest installment. But man, oh. that's just I didn't know anything about that, I didn't hear anything about that, but I guess we wouldn't have. About the plane. They probably figured out or learned how to do that from one of the episodes of Burn Notice. Yes. Every time I see that show I think of you. I'm like, Yeah, oh, this is Desert Pete's show he liked. That that was an episode where uh where where the hero and his uh his sidekick fee uh uh, got into some high dignitary Washington D.C. Uh, meeting and how they managed yeah. to get past security and suddenly they're in the room with the key politician of the storyline and yeah. uh, were able to threaten them and get get what they wanted and then they were right out the window and gone. So, uh, yeah. uh, I suppose it can happen, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, the, the the big international story is is what happened to the Antonovs or Antonovs, but uh, those planes are so big they're not going to disappear. Somebody knows where they're at. I don't think they're all crashed. I think they're they've just been uh, judicially re- removed or uh, properly removed by by Russian orders because they've got issues with Ukraine. They don't want to store them there anymore. So that would make sense. Yeah, see if they're Ukrainian-made, though. They may be having like almost like a custody battle like people do over their children. Well, okay, Boeing's corporate <laughs> headquarters is in Chicago, but their factory is in Seattle. So is it a Seattle plane or is it a Chicago plane? The question is who yeah. owns it, and at this yeah. point, Russia owns them, but Ukraine was the factory that made them. So they, they made them under contract and under Russian money, I guess, is how it Set up. It's funny because I don't know if I said to you before, but I have a friend that I worked with for a few years who was Ukrainian. She, she, um, I don't know how she ended up here. Maybe she came to United States to go to college or something. But she had married a doctor, and um, I knew her a couple of different ways. Like when I was working in Bangor, she was a parent of one of the students I had, and her older kids were roughly the age of my oldest child. And then when I went to work in the other town, she taught there. She was a math teacher and stuff. And um, so, <laughs> you know, we always were thinking Russian, right, because it was Soviet Union then. And the other day we were getting coffee at one of the local coffee shops driving through, and this guy had an unusual name. And we said, you know, oh, that's an unusual name. What nationality is that? And I think it was Anton, actually. I think his name was Anton. And he says... 
he goes, oh, I'm Ukrainian. <laughs> like, well, they yeah. were Maine, and he's a Ukrainian selling coffee, right? So, so we got talking about it and how weird it was after we had left. We didn't talk about it to him, but that people are so careful to say Ukraine now. They're from Ukraine. They're not from Russia. They are very much wanting to be separate. Exactly. It, so, it is its own country, and yeah. very industrious, intelligent people. Uh, the first stockbrokers that I worked for, our product manager and his wife were uh, uh, were from Ukraine. Uh, very sharp, highly intelligent, highly educated uh, people. Yeah, these people. The one that the one the woman that I know that was a math teacher. Her kids are like brainiacs and are out doing things global type stuff the same way. Really smart. And yeah. uh, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know what they're doing now. But they were involved in all kinds of high level stuff. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, being a lifelong bachelor, I've encountered pen pal girlfriends in in various countries, and one was in Ukraine, and just the conversation I had with that lady, very industrious people, even encountering poverty. She had, uh, this particular young lady had, uh, 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 she was a single mom, typical Russian guy had run out on her, whatever, but uh, she had... uh, lined up her girlfriend neighbors to do assembly line clothing clothing manufacture and she had a line of clothing being put together in several of her friends apartments that sleeves were done in one place and garments rest however you would assemble a clothing garment but she had an assembly line going and had come up with her own line of clothing all done on kitchen tables. I thought that was yeah. clever. Yeah. When have you seen Americans do something like that? <laughs> uh, and then in in the course of our correspondence, she said, and just as she found a retail outlet that wanted everything she could make, her government went and opened the door to Chinese imports. Yep. And it wiped out everything she had done. That the the meager price that she was charging was suddenly three times what China was charging. Yeah, I stopped making clothes when they got cheap because I used to make all kinds of clothes. Yeah. Yeah. It it wasn't worth the time to take to do it anymore. But you know, I might go back to it because I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. It was fun to do it. But yeah, I I've done some of that myself, thinking, hey, I could sell some stuff, make some clothes. Mm-hmm. Make some originals that people, you know, because there's people that don't want anyone else to have the same thing they have. So they don't want to wear right. the same clothes. And some things are really easy to make, you know. Uh-huh. So we got to do something. we got to do some of our own uh, business ideas because nobody's going to come along to save us. So we need to do our own thing. We've got to get busy and take care of ourselves. Yeah, well, the uh, the word globalism is kind of a bad word, but kind of the flip side of the coin is we as human individuals do need to become aware of the various cultures around the world. And now with the Internet, I mean, the, the, the fax machine shrunk the size of the world. When yeah. the, the first time I sent a fax from here in California to a prospective business associate in India, I think it was, 
when I got my receipt and realized that this paper in my hand is now showing up in somebody else's hands on the other side of the planet, that's when I realized things are shrinking here. Well, that was back in the 80s. Well, now we have friends on the other side of the planet, and it's text chat. It's yeah. bang out your misspelled comment <laughs> and hit send, oh. and suddenly he's seeing your your gross misspelling errors on the other side of the planet milliseconds later. <laughs> yeah, when um, in the 90s, when I, um, I think it was around 96, 97, um, I had a relative by marriage, it was an uncle by marriage, my husband's uncle, who bought me a, a Pentium computer, which was the new computer back then. That yep. was the, the fastest thing you could get. And um, he he funded it so I could go buy one. Well, I bought a like a package deal with Packard Bell, which was like later on didn't have such a great reputation, but originally those weren't too bad. And it was a desktop and all that stuff. But anyway, um, that was back in the time when I was doing the um, all the stuff at school. I was doing all kinds of networking things with people in various places, and I'd gotten sick with pneumonia, so I was home you know, for a while recuperating because it was really bad pneumonia. It was like almost killing me pneumonia. So I'd gotten this new computer. I was all excited to use it, but I was too sick to do anything. So I would play on it. And back then, people just didn't do that. They did something with it and left it and went and did something else. They It didn't take over their life like we've got stuff going on now. So, But because I was sick, I spent hours on it. And um, one of the things I discovered during that time of being sick and on this brand new computer was chat rooms because they weren't there were no chat rooms before that nobody even knew what the heck you were talking about you know exactly so um it was microsoft network and you had to dial in you had to um, actually enter whatever it was phone number or whatever it was to call in you could hear it ringing if you turned that well, aspect on dial up and then it was yeah and, well it wasn't like the ones like in war games you know where you put the phone into the cradle and it did it but it was you could hear your phone dialing it or doing the pulse right. or whatever so um i got fr- i got to be friends with these people there were people in canada there were people in australia and uh, i think in great britain and in the united states mostly and there were probably about seven to ten of us that were on that fairly frequently chatting about things in the world and got to be friends, but we had screen names, you know, it was like, like, you know, there's Bubba too, and there's, you know, so-and-so from Vancouver, and, you know, all this stuff, and and um, it was a, an interesting group of people, like, there were people that were farmers, or, you know, um, nurses, things like that, and we just talked about, like, world events, and how cool it was to be able to talk to people from other parts of the world, but it was just like what you said, it was like a few seconds and you're you're talking to somebody in Australia and they're getting your message. Yep. And it just it blew our mind how the earth had shrunk from that, you know. But then Microsoft Network changed their whatever it was. They decided they were going to charge a lot of money or they weren't going to do the East Coast or something. I can't remember what the change was, but all of a sudden they were gone. It was like I said I said I like those people. Now I don't know what's happened to them. I don't know their names. I don't know who they are. I'm not going to get involved with this stuff ever again because I was really upset. My friends were gone, right? <laughs> I didn't even know who they were in real life. That so, is the 
big drawback of cyberspace? It was, well, nowadays it's a little bit different because most people, even if you interact online, you have an idea of who they are. I mean, there were no names with these. Nobody dared to give out their real names, you know. There were a couple people that were emailing back and forth, and we managed to, you know, hang on to those people because we had another way to get in touch with them. But, boy, it was so weird back then. Everything was weird. I had been in one of um, a chat room somewhere talking to a bunch of people, and it was pretty full, and somebody came in and made a threat against somebody in Maine. It was bizarre because it was this, you know, these weren't all Maine people or anything. But they came in and they gave a specific threat of who they were going after in this town and wrote the whole thing in there. So I called the state police. <laughs> this was like in the 90s. And and I said, I just want to report something that just happened online. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, I was in a chat room. And they said, what is that? <laughs> I had to tell them what it was. I said, it's a way to communicate where you write, you type something on a computer and someone else can read it. Yeah. Oh, are you saying that they were like, you know, I think they were thinking like a text message would be, you know, just with an individual. I said, no, a bunch of people go into this thing. It's called a chat room. And I was telling them this. And they said, well, what do you want us to do about it? Yeah. And I said, I don't know what you're going to do about it. I'm just telling you somebody came in there and made a specific threat about a person and a town and a place, basically like an address, that they were going over there and, you know, kick their ass or kill them or something. I can't remember what the threat was, but it was it was so specific that I felt like they could go there and at least check on the people, right? So, so they said, well, where did this take place? And I said, online, on the computer. And they just couldn't get it. I, and they said, well, is yep. it in Maine? And I said, no, it's online. It's on the computer. I said, I don't know where these people were. Well, then how do you know? And I said, because they said it. That's what they typed. Oh, well, I don't think we have jurisdiction for that. It was so weird. It was so funny. What do you want us to do about it? And and I thought, okay, so now the general public is having experiences that the state police don't even understand. And I realized that, you know, it was cutting edge, basically, back then. And I don't know if they ever really did get it. But I said, I don't know what you're going to do about it. I'm just reporting it because what if I didn't say anything and something happened? You know, I saw it. Well, and then jump ahead 10, 20 years to where we're at now. And yeah. The, it's usually a sign of maturity, but then again, it could be a sign of drunkenness because there's so much just outlandish comments on the internet at mm. times you don't know what to take seriously. Yeah. I got I got into a disturbing argument the other day. It, it was not with a friend on Facebook, but if you make a comment to your friend's comment, well, it yeah. shows up on their board, which makes yeah. it show up on all of your friend's friends. Everybody's, yep. Uh and then people you don't have a clue who they are show up arguing with you. Yep. Like, who the heck are you? Yeah. And, the well, it was kind of a serious topic to begin with. And then in come a couple of, as far as I know, drunk yahoos. Yeah. Just stirring up a stinking mess. 
and I was trying to treat them like mature adults, which I see now as a total mistake. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I just really got bent out of shape by the end of that, that conversation. And you I just, know you can yeah. block people, and I'm not talking about individuals, but you could block people that aren't on your friends list so that they can't comment on your page. It's, there's a setting for that. Because oh. I had that happening with some, some, I know a lot of people, so even though I don't have a lot of Facebook friends, I do know a lot of people, and uh-huh. my friends know a lot of people. Like some of them might have thousands of Facebook friends. So if I put something on their page and say something to them, I could get responses back, just like what you said, like 20 people saying something about it, and I don't know who the heck they are, and they're like all ticked off at me. So I'm like, you know, all right, nobody can comment on my page except my own friends. I don't let anybody else comment on my page. Yeah. And you can also block it so they can't post on your page directly because well, some people leave them completely open and they get this bizarre stuff posted on their page. It's like they didn't put it there. Somebody else did it. Understanding these settings on things like Facebook chats and other things is another disturbing issue, which leads to my other topic of the, of the night is uh, okay. uh, I think I mentioned last week I just got a new smartphone and I hadn't learned anything about it yet. Well, it's taken me more than a week to learn how to answer calls on it. I wow. feel like an idiot. <laughs> I don't use them, so I can't help you with that. I've never touched one. Except it's a cell when somebody phone. says, look at my pictures, and I scan through them. That's the only time I've looked at one. I've used cell phones for 10, 15 years. Yeah. I thought a smartphone, hey, it's a smartphone. It's got to be simple to answer. Yeah. So these two icons pop up on the screen, an icon symbolizing a, a handset from a telephone. One is green, the other is red. When somebody calls you, what do you do? Push the green one. That's what I right? thought. <laughs> I <laughs> that's tap what the I would green guess, one. because that's how you send or receive when you use a phone. I, I tapped the, the Yeah, I <laughs> tapped the green one. Nothing happened. Yep. So I call my brother, who's eight years older than me. He's 71, but he's had a smartphone now for several years. So he's my my resident or my my nearby expert. He's my family expert. Yep. So I call him, and he says, "Well, on his smartphone, you have to grab the the green icon and drag it to the bottom of the screen to answer Why? the call." Why? Because <laughs> it's, it's an extra step, and they love to make you look like a fool dragging your finger and smearing your peanut butter and jelly all over your screen. That's what I hate about smartphones. Um, they're not really phones anyway. They're little uh, computers. They are. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Okay, so the next incoming call, I grab the thing and I drag it to the bottom. Nothing happens. I call customer service somewhere, and he says, well, I think on... On that phone, you're supposed to drag it to the right. Oh, okay. All right, so I tried that. That didn't work either. Drag it to the right. God. Funny. So I drag it to the, I tapped it. I drag it to the bottom. I drag it to the right. None of them worked. All of my incoming calls went straight to voicemail. Nobody ever heard me answer the phone. This is getting frustrating. Over a week goes by since I acquired the thing. I should mention the day I activated. I bought the thing online, got a good price on Amazon.com. The thing arrives, and that was the day of my car rental disaster. 
uh, I find myself over in, in Ridgecrest with a brand new cell phone that needs to be activated, but the new phone is in my pocket. Well, now I have to pay a taxi cab to get over to the Verizon station and get it activated. So now I have a taxi cab waiting outside with the meter running, and I have a new phone that these guys have to activate. Here, activate the thing, make it work, and, and give it back to me. Uh, I didn't have time to listen to any instructions. I had a taxi cab meter running. So that's my excuse as to why I didn't dally around and have anybody explain anything to me. And I thought, shucks, it's a smartphone. It's supposed to be smart. Yeah. Yeah, well, a week and, almost a week and a half goes by now. I still can't answer any phones. So I dig through the voicemails and the options or whatever at, uh, at Verizon Customer Service, and I finally get a live technician on the line. Then it gets brought to my attention there's actually three buttons showing up on the screen. I had never noticed the third button. There is a bright green one on the left, and there is a bright red one on the right, but there's a gray button in the middle. On BlackBerry phones, you're supposed to press hard on the gray button and drag it over to either the green to answer it or the red to send it to voicemail. Oh, so it has it lets you like screen your calls and save the voicemail. If you see a caller ID from somebody you don't want to talk to, you can send it straight to voicemail. Uh, voluntarily. I send everybody to voicemail just because. Well, it was originally I know doing you that. I want to get calls because you're waiting for calls. Yeah. Well, it's just that when it's somebody you want to talk to, you yeah. don't want to have to have them wade through voicemail. Right. Um. Which was the case. So like a, a week and a half go by and all my ca- all my calls on my brand new expensive phone here are going straight to voicemail. Now granted, I always had caller ID with it so I could call them back. But if you stop and think, if that other party is having the same problem I have, that he's not able to answer phone calls, then we can't talk to each other. <laughs> as absurd as it, as it is. All right. I so I get it because I had voicemail go into my phone with me not even knowing it was there because I never set it up. I didn't know I had voicemail on my telephone, yeah. on my regular phone, my house phone. So my my educating tip of the evening for Uda is if you get a BlackBerry, I'll warn you ahead of time. This is how you answer a BlackBerry is three icons show up. You grab the gray one and drag it over to what you want to do with it. Okay. And that activates the call. Jameskin wanted you to read the book or the directions. They didn't send me a book that mentioned anything about that. They sent a simple pamphlet that told you how to do all the dumb stuff that I have no intention of doing, playing games and all that other crap. But they don't tell me the basic of how to answer a phone call. Nothing on that entire start here pamphlet that came with the phone said anything about how to answer a phone. Not one word. Then I I went to YouTube and looked for quick tutorials. None of them said anything about a third button you had to drag this way or that. None of them. Hmm. Um, Apparently, BlackBerry just did an update on my model phone. 
I tend to think that's why the videos on YouTube don't say anything about it. But uh, suddenly that's something I had to figure out. And I'm sorry, guys, my IQ ain't as high as it used to be. Uh, well, it, it, it's because it's different. That's what I always say when I'm trying to teach somebody about, you know, some new way of using something. is Because we used it when it was older. We used the technology when it was a different, you know, procedure to do things. And it's hard to get out of that because we're thinking of it that way. It is. One of the reasons why I use word menus, I don't use icons on a computer because I never know what the icon means. I can look at a dot or a red flashing something and not know what the heck it is. But I know what print means. I know what copy means. Right. So I use the word menus. And and a lot of people, when I use their computer, like if they say, yeah, you can use my computer for a minute, I'll go, well, where's your word menus? They don't use that toolbar. They don't even have it on there. And I'm like, well, because I don't know how to save a file. Oh, yeah. go over here and you click on this and you go there and you click on that. There are shortcuts of some kind, but we did it the long way around, I guess, for how it is now. Yeah. So we think of it in those terms. We don't think of it as drag this here or drag this there. My um, My nephew showed me that when you're typing on like these keyboards now, these uh, things on the smartphone, I guess, mine's on a tablet, he says you can drag over here and it'll just jump over there. You don't have to lift your finger up and type like you would on a typewriter. Who would think of that? He showed it to me. He goes, you just do this and it knows what you want. It learns, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. But, but it's just to shorten your your uh, you know time frame when you're using it. But my gosh, how much shorter are we going to have it? But a, a week of poking around on this thing, oh. I'm seeing oh. that it expects you to act like a monkey and just poke. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't poke at a keyboard. My fingers are synchronized with which letter is goes to which finger, and that's how I can type intelligently. And if I need to move a pointer or a cursor around, that's what a mouse is for. Well, smartphones kind of merge the two and really confuse matters in the process. So well, I'm having a certain... that one of, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when they were talking about the John Benet Ramsey story and about her father and Access Graphics, right? wasn't that the technology they wanted that he wouldn't sell? Every time I see it, I think of John Benet uh, Ramsey. I think well, that that was the technology, was the swiping, the swipe... Um, technology where you could you could just move things on the screen by pulling your finger across or, Was or that standing it? I, things with your fingers. I thought it had to do with image compression so that you could send live high-definition video at high-speed rates. I thought uh, they said it was the, the swiping because okay. that was new. That was brand new. Nobody had seen that yet. Well, the, and it was... The, probably for the phones and stuff they were planning on making so that you could swipe through the pictures on your phone or well Apple ended up with the uh, the patents on the swiping feature that was Steve Jobs and I don't think he was involved in the Ramsey Well it was, who was who was the one that uh who was it they were talking about with the uh, access graphics who was it that I can't remember Well it, it was John Bonet's father yeah. You're right, and but he worked at uh, that was a, a subdivision of Lockheed, 
That's what I was thinking, Lockheed Martin. And it was Dick Cheney's wife who was uh, on the board of directors of Lockheed at the time. That was uh, 1995-ish. And well, I supposedly think... the a part of the motivation for why John Bonet was murdered was because he wouldn't sell it. He right. wouldn't sell the company in that particular type of, well, I guess it wasn't to sell the company. Yeah. It and was that, that that patent for that technology. And that was highly suspicious that the uh that the threat ransom note knew exactly how much his bonus that year was from Lockheed. Hmm. Something very suspicious about it, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh so no, I, I go along with uh even though David Hawkins has kind of beat that story to death with multiple Multiple episodes telling how gory the murder was. Uh, yeah. The the point is, I I tend to agree with him that yeah, that uh, who would know that other than somebody in payroll at Lockheed or or a board of director member that had issued that specific bonus. Uh, well, the the ransom note was meant to send a message too, because the ransom yeah. note was seen before she was found. Yeah, but but being ex Lockheed myself and and personally leaving the company in 1990 and kind of proud of, of its aeronautic history up to that point. Uh, within five years later, I saw the company taking a nosedive on credibility with serious issues of the the F-22 suddenly costing four or five times what it should have. Uh, and ironically, my boss... My, well, my big boss, not my immediate superior, but the two or three levels above me was Ben Rich himself, the the Skunk Works uh, legend. And Ben Rich passed away in 1995, so he was no longer part of Lockheed's picture in any way, shape, or form from that point on. And that's the same time that Dick Cheney's wife comes in and gets parachuted under the board of directors. No aerospace background whatsoever. She was a political contact, political appointment. Um, And then, uh, again, about the same time, top-secret blueprints began showing up missing and other really suspicious things from inside the company. And I learned some personal other ugly stories myself in the late 90s that traced back to about the same time. So uh, Lynn Cheney's entrance into Lockheed is what poisoned the company and, and caused the, uh, I, I term it as a, uh, a shotgun wedding. Um, excuse me, I'm looking out the window and I've asked the kids not to pedal their bicycles next to my old broken down car and that's exactly what they're doing. Oh well. Um, distracting myself. So anyway, that that's his Lockheed history and such. Uh, so the smartphone. The bottom line is, I can now finally answer my phone. Uh, yeah, good. Traveling. So that, that's the good news. Uh, the next thing is figuring out the camera because you open up the camera mode and in bright sunlight, I couldn't quickly tell. I thought I was snapping taking just a snapshot of a scene and realized I had fired up the video portion. Yeah. So after you get 30 seconds of, of your feet, <laughs> yeah. 
then you realize, oh, I'm still rolling video. Time to stop it. So. I have trouble because I can't see what I'm taking if it's bright sunlight. I can't see the scene yeah. that I'm taking. So I just sort of port it, point it in the general direction and hope for the best. Right. That, that's what you have to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. These, that that's or... what I did when the Antonov came in, actually, because I couldn't, even though it was an overcast day, I couldn't tell if I was getting it or not, but I was watching it with my naked eye. Okay, here it's coming, and it was small, still small on the horizon. Yeah. Well, if you got a, any kind of a, it in that direction, it, was it uh, a, a good in focus framed picture or? Um, they they were. I just took a ton of pictures as it was coming in, hoping I'd get at least a glimpse of it, and they weren't that good. I mean, mm-hmm. the pictures the newspaper took were better, so I didn't care. I just wanted to say that I took a picture of it. Well, I yeah. I'd appreciate it if you'd grab the the best of your bunch and just email one or two of them to me. I'd, uh, you can't I'd love even to hardly it. tell what it is. It's from a dis. It's from. Well, I can still send it to you, but it was yeah. just you know as it was coming in, so it was obstructed by poles and a and a you know. Yeah. Well, I'll put it this way: it's, it's more than I have, other than yeah. commercial pictures of of that, which are yeah, they're all sharp and and framed and such. But I I don't have any pictures from actual people I know. <laughs> Well, I think if you, I also these, I just think they're better. That's all. I think the ones on that Bangor Daily News article were taken that day, so they're not just stock photos. I don't believe they're real ones from here. Okay. So, and they were closer. You know, they had their like telephoto lens, or they were out there. So, but we had interesting conversations with somebody that was there. This Uh guy was very knowledgeable. He worked at one of the radio stations, and this we talked to him the day before because it was supposed or two or three days before it was supposed to have come in and people showed up over there and then it didn't come. And um, somebody came out of one of the buildings and told us it wasn't coming. It hadn't left Houston and it would be through in a few days. And it came through on the day it came through, which I think was a Saturday. And um, so we had this conversation with this man because we were waiting and he was checking with his people that he knew to see if it was on flight aware, if it was showing. Uh And we got talking to him. And he was a little bit older than me. I think he was about, I think he said he was 66 or 67. And he was still working, selling, like, radio ads and stuff. But I think he might have done radio earlier, like, in his life. Because he, he just knew a ton about everything. He knew about all the stuff with flights and all this stuff. And he said he was a trainer for, like, shooting ranges. And, um, you know, <laughs> and he knew about flying because he was a pilot and, it, we had a really good conversation with him. It was very interesting, and he just kept laughing because I was saying, you know, about the communications and the, uh, you know, Defense Department flying these things through, and supposedly we're not friends with Russia, but yet we do business with Russia and all this stuff, and he was just laughing. He thought it was so funny. <laughs> and yeah. everything, even the chips, you know, like people getting chips in their arm. I said, that FCC guy saying that, did you hear that? And he goes, oh, you mean it? He says, you're talking about Ajit Pai? I mean, he knew exactly what I was talking about. I said, yep. <laughs> he just laughed. He thought it was so funny. I yeah. said, I don't think any of this is funny. He says, well, it really isn't. But And then he would laugh some more. But he says, we probably don't know half of the stuff they're doing. No, we don't. And probably we don't want to. But <laughs> it, just, it was so weird. It was like we were supposed to talk to him so we'd know there were people around that had a clue what was happening. 
don't know. Very interesting. A lot of people ditched their uh, their meetings that day because they heard it was coming, and they they just said, "Well, I'm out of here." There was this woman standing there, and she said, "Yeah." She said, "I left a meeting, and I'm not going to go back to work because it was late in the afternoon." And I left. I said, "Well, at least it got you out of the meeting, even though you didn't see it." But then by Saturday, everybody had gotten the word. There were a lot more people out there because it was a you know a day off work, and there were people everywhere. Yep. So it was definitely here. We had eyewitnesses. And then it flew off, and in the article, I think it said it went to um, Ireland next. So I don't know if that was for refueling or they were putting things on and off it. Vell is wondering if Pete's phone was a black market model. Well, I bought it off Amazon, so. <laughs> If, they like to rouse you, I think. If it ain't legit, if it's uh, Jeff Bezos' uh, uh, problem, so plain uh, to him. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously distracted seeing kids playing around the car, but whatever. Uh, kids will be kids. Yeah, the sun has not set yet out here, so that's that's why they're still yep. out playing. Late I like the longer days. It's way better. We get a lot more done. Oh, yeah. I agree yeah, on that. I've had a lot more energy and stuff. I went out and sat in my car for a little while reading today. Before I went in the grocery store, I was reading stuff. Because I don't know if you heard me talking about my term paper I'm going to be writing to the bank. <laughs> I'm doing yeah. my research right now and taking notes. So I found oh. so far, I found people in uh, Mount Laurel, New Jersey, um, Philadelphia, um, I think one might be in Toronto, but I'm not going to go outside of the United States. I think I'm just going to stay in the United States, guys. And I have the list of the board of directors and also all the managing people. And I don't know if the, the entire structure or just in Maine, because they don't tell you where they are. You can't. They don't even have an address you can write to these people. They have a fax number and a phone number, and you know you're not going to talk to those people. So. I think I'm going to pick out like five of them that I think are good <laughs> good for, you know, contact. And I'm going right to the top because they're the only ones that can fix stuff that gets to this magnitude. And uh, just what do they call that when you do a like a blitz or something? I'm just going to send a bunch of them out and hope they land somewhere good. But they're, you know, if you look on LinkedIn at some of these names, they're just like, <laughs> you know, they're floating around all over the place. They don't tell you where they are. Just their name and what their title is. So, probably aliases. They're probably not even real. Computer somewhere in a basement. <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> the other story we, uh, we talked about a few episodes ago was the uh, family dollar chain. Uh, yeah. it, just, it just opened up today, so I managed to hike in and see their selection. It... Uh, it strikes me as very similar to another chain we have out here called Big Lots. Yeah, we have Big Lots in Maine as well, okay. but uh, we don't have any right around us here. But I've been in one. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah well, the the Family Dollar selection is about the same. It's got a little bit of food and a little bit of a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Huh. Uh, but man, compared to how dismal things have been in this town, that's a major step forward. Uh, that yeah. that's like a. 
like a Sears and Roebuck or a Macy's moving into town to, to see a family dollar here. That's, well, the one that, that, well, we had one that burned here in town because we had two of them. One burned, and it was in a really good location. So everybody jokes around and says, I wonder what they wanted to open on that lot. You know, it's like they don't believe that it was just a natural occurring fire, shall we say. Yeah. Especially since the same building had like a beauty school in it that had closed like a, a month or two earlier. And it was because the um, owner of the building, um, I don't know if they demanded rent or in the rent wasn't paid or if they said they wanted them out. I can't remember which thing it was. But the beauty school closed suddenly and all these students were thrown to the wind, you know, that hadn't finished their program. And the family dollar burned like a month later or so. So it's like, okay, who wanted to, uh, you know, liquidate, <laughs> you know. But the other one is um, built in an old skating rink, like a, just a, it was just an open building inside, you know, because it was a skating rink, roller rink. <laughs> and um, so I always laugh when I'm in there. I'm like, I've been through all those <laughs> different, mm-hmm. <laughs> different, uh, I don't know what you call it, design phases of that building. Yeah, the the evolution of a store. Yeah, but it's it's cool because if you just need something common, like you know, you need a pack of pens and some aspirin, you can go in there, right? And they have it, and it's yeah. not expensive. So. Well, and again, mm-hmm. I'm I'm so used to high desert prices is uh, in the uh, oh we're out in the middle of nowhere, so you're gonna have to pay double for for whatever item you buy here. That's kind of been the attitude in this town ever since I moved here 12 years ago. But uh, uh, shucks, I got a dozen eggs for two dollars. Well, that's almost a Walmart price. So uh, all the prices on got a couple of cans of soup and whatever, two bucks a can, but they were large cans. So uh, all in all, reasonable prices and nice clean selection. Brand new store. Uh, I, I better stock up on batteries now. So. <laughs> Yeah. A year from now, they might it might be the same inventory, but uh, at least I know they're fresh now. <laughs> I don't know. I bet that it'll be busy because if it's like you say and there's nothing around. I mean, we ours is busy, and we do have other stores around. It's just that people don't want to go in a huge store that's set on acres like Walmart or Target or something Yeah. And when all they need is a couple things. Right. You know, it's like you need some uh, paper towels and laundry detergent. And yeah. you don't want to go in and walk, like, all that distance just to get that. So, right. And the prices are not higher, really. I mean, they might be a little bit higher because I don't go to Walmart, and I know they used to have good deals because of the quantity. But what I'm saying is their prices are reasonable. They're cheaper than the grocery store, usually. So that's what I do. They have the regular, all the staple stuff you would want. <clears throat> Our store sells um, some, you know, a few grocery items that are cold, and the rest would be canned or whatever, or chips and things like that. But they would have like a little bit of one brand of milk, maybe, you know. It's not meant to be like a convenience store, but it has a few things you could, you know, buy like that. Yeah. <clears throat> one thing that kind of surprised me this week, and I think it's due to being humbled with the car rental and. Yeah. And suddenly finding that I have to walk everywhere I go in life anymore uh, is uh, I've actually, believe it or not, started drinking instant coffee. Cause that, 
that was the only thing in in one of the convenience stores up here. And this was before Family Dollar opened, so I, I didn't look to see what they what they have in coffee selection there. But I had been a kind of a coffee snob, and I only was drinking Hawaiian uh, fresh brewed ground in uh, a particular brand of Hawaiian. And I wouldn't even think of drinking instant, but when it was the only thing available, well, I got yeah, you that. Yeah, desperate. Yeah. got to drink it. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the Folgers Crystal is not bad, and I find I'm drinking that and enjoying it. <laughs> so well, that's good. Maybe I'm I'm jumping an age bracket and going through a phase here or whatever. <laughs> I, I know my dad always drank uh, Maxwell House uh, Instant. I never saw him brew uh, any coffee. Oh, my parents used to make coffee in an aluminum percolator, electric, and that thing. Uh, they kept coffee in it until it was gone, and then they'd make more, and it was like. It would get so black at the bottom, and I can only imagine what kind of uh, toxins were in an aluminum pot mm-hmm. after that long. But, boy, they always had coffee going at the house, and they didn't let us have it until we were, you know, finished growing, basically, after yeah. the age of 16 or 17, probably. And so it just smelled so good, and it was like you could never have it. Well, after that, it was like coffee all the time. New England people drink a lot of coffee. They drink it all day long and into the night. And yeah. um, then you travel other places, and people go, what do you mean? Coffee is a breakfast beverage. You don't drink that all day. They just don't. You know, they just don't. So we laugh. Like, we have to have our coffee up here. Well, the the world average, the highest uh, uh, coffee consumption per capita is the country of Sweden. So cold weather, winters, of course, they're drinking hot beverage all the time. So I can understand that. Yep. But uh, oh, let's see, what was the other thing on my note here? Uh, oh yeah, obituary of the, of the week. Uh, the, the classic comedian Stan Freeberg uh, passed away about a week ago. Forget the exact date now, but it's somewhere in the last week or two. Stan Freeberg was the uh, the comedian writer for uh, uh, the 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 spicy meatball Alka Seltzer commercial. Oh oh oh, yep. Uh, and it, it just put in his name. Uh, Freeberg is spelled with one E, F F R E B U R G. Stan Freeberg. Just put that into a YouTube search, and that'll bring up all his his old commercials. Hilarious ones. Well, I thought I remembered the name, but it's vague. You know, it's like uh-huh. foggy memories. But I probably knew it at one time. But yeah, I remember all those commercials. They're funny. Oh, wonderful uh, comedy routines on uh, on American history too. I wish we uh, still had some stuff like that because really the ads now are so boring and they're just nothing but, you know, legal notices for some pharmaceutical. Yeah. Oh, he had another ad of uh for a lawnmower and uh and he has a uh, fellow out in his yard and he's comparing one half of the yard with the, with a sheep grazing on it and the other half was with his uh <laughs> whatever the brand name of the, of the lawnmower was and uh uh, the, uh, the the TV interviewer is, is holding the microphone and interviewing him, and he says, "Well, I I can't knit a pullover from the lawnmower. That's my only complaint." <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> and of course, he's he's wearing a wool sweater in the in the interview, so uh, that was funny. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the Gino's Pizza. I think that was his classic of all time, and you you just can't describe it. It was the the camera motions and the the celebrity walkbys and and cameos with no speaking parts. It was just oh, that's David Niven. Oh, that's so and so, and then up comes the Lone Ranger and Tato in the last last scene. He just went all out on a budget just for really big name celebrities of the time to just walk past the camera in in beautiful sequence as he's selling uh, mini pizzas. So uh, it was great. It was great writing. He was a classic of all time. And uh, yeah, we going back to the classic Hollywood uh, recording stuff. The recording engineer I mentioned to you, I think he had worked with uh, with Stan Freeberg on something uh, somewhere along the way. Because oh, Freeberg, no, became... there really weren't that many people doing things back then. They were a few. Yeah. So if you knew any of them, they probably knew each other. Well, Freeberg became such a popular comedian. And it would be just stand-up comedy and and great funny lines. So it was not all video production. Uh, it was well, of course, they produced it on film, and then the film played on television. Is how that went. But but Freeberg did a lot of just humorous audio. He would release an album, uh, a full I don't know 20-minute long album of just humor about American history. Uh, it was great, but he was such a big name comedian. When he wanted to record something like that, that was basically just a a one microphone recording, and then edited, and then added some sound effects or something. He'd go to Capitol Records to produce it. So here he is in the fifties and sixties, renting hundred plus dollar an hour studios just to record voice. <laughs> that, yeah. He was a big budget comedian of of his day. That, that was uh, that was impressive, and uh, and just just produced fantastic stuff. But I guess he uh, up in years and uh, contracted pneumonia and passed away in uh, What's Santa with Monica. What's pneumonia lately? That is so. Gosh, everybody's got pneumonia lately. Well, my uh, former brother-in-law in Florida has just been in the hospital because he has COPD plus pneumonia, um, and he's in northern Florida. Um, Pat LaMarche, who I've talked about before, she ran for president a few years ago as a Green Party candidate, and she um, she's real active with homeless stuff right now. She's in Pennsylvania. She had pneumonia, and she's been really sick. My friend that just had the surgery on her brain that I was talking about earlier, she had pneumonia. That was what happened originally, is that she had pneumonia, and she fainted and hit her head. That was like in January. Oh, so then dear. they had to go in, and when they found that she'd had some clots and stuff, they had to go in and remove them, and now she's got bleeding again. So they're well, watching her. But she's she's in her late 70s. I mean, she goes, I can't fall again. I'm scared of falling. But she started with pneumonia. Um, and it's like I've heard of about probably five or six people with pneumonia in the last few months, but they're from everywhere. They're not all in one area of the country. It's like it was everywhere at once. I was not aware of all the cases you're mentioning. This is These scary. Are the people that I know, but I've heard 
other people who are, you know, second or third tier out from me, you know, like friends of friends or friends of relatives that had pneumonia. Well, second home with it. I hate bringing it up, but this could be a <laughs> connecting dot to another story I just heard a couple of nights ago on rents. Yeah. Of uh, a, a big flock, and I forget what the number was, 10 or 30 or something, of, uh, of dolphins. Uh, just mass die-off on the uh, the beach near uh, near Fukushima, and when they did autopsies on them, they all had white lungs, which huh. is an indication of no blood flow. Weird. And the radiation had poisoned the blood so much it just couldn't flow through the through the lungs properly. Well, pneumonia is water in the lungs, and I wonder if there's a correlation there. Is this radiation hitting people across country? I don't know. It's just a rhetorical question I have to toss out there. But uh, if if it's killing off ocean creatures in, in the Pacific, and we already know it's been airborne and has hit all across the northern uh, hemisphere, really. Yeah. They've they've measured radiation clear over in the, into the eastern Europe. Uh, that they know because of isotope matching and whatever that it came from Fukushima. Yeah. Uh, that is kind of tragic to hear. Thanks for mentioning that. I'll I'll have to do a little more research on that and see if if there is if there might be a correlation. On it. Uh, so anyway, the uh, I guess that's about the end of my notes. Uh, for the week here, but the uh, the international thing was that the, the Anatovs have been relocated somewhere, uh, Antonovs, and then the, uh, the the local town news here is Family Dollar has finally opened up, and I kind of like the store from my yeah, first impression good. there. Uh, and then personally, I finally learned how to answer my new smartphone, so it only <laughs> took me a week to learn that. <laughs> I like that. I don't know what video conferences it is is going to how long that's going to take me to figure out how to do. That was another Once application. You get the basics, I, though, you'll be able to figure out the rest of it. Yeah. Just sit the, there and play with it. See what happens when you press on buttons. That's what I do. The, this crazy phone has a camera on the front side and the back side. So they claim it's so that you can do video conferencing and they can see your face. But if you have something in front of you, like say you bought a new bicycle or something, you hit a button and it switches from the camera pointed at your face to the camera pointed at what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, talk about overkill. Too. That's what the tablet does. It has a camera on both sides. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, getting back to the topic of phone hacking that we know about, that means you now have a serious privacy issue. If if you have the phone in your bedroom, uh. You can't just lay it face down and have the camera pointed at the surface. No, it's got a camera on both sides. So now you got <laughs> you got to get out a black piece of electrical tape and cover up both cameras to have any privacy if you ever have your cell phone in your bedroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> if it isn't one thing, it's another. Well, they've been saying that the TVs have done that for a long time. That it's a two-way, it's a two-way signal. Well, yeah, there's been rumors, but I guess now it's no longer rumor. They're actually finding the cameras on the on the 
saying that they watch everything. If you if you look on some websites for where you can buy like um, you know municipal type, I think my phone just went dead, didn't it? Did it hang me up? No, it's gonna though in a minute. Um, Three hours. It's like um, these lamp posts and things can spy on people because they can listen to you as you walk down a pathway in a city. They have they make those so that they have cameras and and. well, yeah, the the microphones are supposedly so they can triangulate and trace a uh, gunshot if they hear one. But, uh, yeah, and they probably can hear conversations if people are down in a park somewhere talking. Yeah. Craziness, so. There is no, no. privacy. No. Okay, well, I don't know if I have ten seconds to sign off, but that's uh, <laughs> that's the that's the end of my list for the week. So we'll uh, we'll toss it back to you to, to close off then. And it looks like she's offline, so I didn't get to toss it back to her. I get to close off the show, or at least pass time and tread water until uh, until she gets back to throw a life preserver to uh, to Desert Pete out here in the desert. The chat board. God is awesome, and uh, be careful what you pray for, because sometimes he... Uh, opens up the floodgates for answers. Uh, dodging the six-foot-wide raindrops when, when they start coming gets to be a little a little bit of a challenge. Are you still there? Uh, yeah, okay, you're okay. finally back on. So, okay, yeah, the host is, host is returned. It takes me a minute to get back because I have to call back in like it was the first time or something, so... Uh yeah, I had to sign on too when uh when my screen crashed. Yep. But anyways, so are you all are you all set? Is everything are you trying to leave or are you staying uh, or yeah, I thought I was leaving about forty five seconds ago and then I realized <laughs> I was gonna have to tread water for your show to keep it on the Click. air. Click. So. All of a sudden I'm gone. It's like you said, Well, I'm almost I've got ten I heard ten seconds. That was the last thing I heard. That you had That's what happened. So, so yeah, yeah, my last request is is grab one of one. Of, I don't care how fuzzy or how far they off. It's just that hey, this is a this is a rare airplane shot by a friend. So I'd like to. Have okay, that. I'll try I'd to, like to have that in my my library. Dig around and see if I can find it. It's okay. not real fuzzy. It's just that it, I was a distance from where it was coming in. It was oh, I understand. when I yeah. took it. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, appreciate that. Okay. All right, that's it for now. So we'll hopefully catch everybody next week, and I'll try to be on time again. Okay, good. Good luck out there. Okay. Keep your eyes peeled. See if you see any weird stuff going we on will. out in and, the desert. Yeah, and we both got to monitor this this Jade Helm thing both sides of the country here. And, and if anything's going week. on in Bangor, I can't miss it. If you could see where I'm sitting, I mean, I've described it before, but yeah, I the, if I turn right now as I'm sitting in my chair facing my computer. If I put my right hand out at an angle, I'm pointing towards the federal building. If I put my left hand out at an angle, I'm pointing at the interstate. Okay? If I turn to the left um, to make a right angle, now I'm, um, my right hand is pointing towards the interstate because it's in the same place my left was. And my left hand pointing out at an angle is to the airport. Well, Which both is of right us, beside the interstate. What? 
both of us are located in ideal locations. Like I say, I've got China Lakes to the west of me, I've got Fort Irwin to the east of me, and I've got Edwards Air Force Base to the south of me, and I'm kind of in the landing pattern for all of them here. I, honest to God, believe that I'm in this spot for a reason. There is no doubt in my mind. I have seen things because of where I am. I can look out the window. When I first uh-huh. saw chemtrails, and I was telling people about them, they all thought I was nuts. These are people that now have seen them and believe what they are, that they're oh, yeah. spraying us with aerosols. But when it first was starting, I go, I am really ticked off about those sprays in the sky. And they were like, you know, you need to get out more. Something's wrong. I was like, I'm not kidding. I'm really mad because I saw this at noon. You know, I was like, I'd look out the window and see the stripes over the top in, like, yeah. in stripes. Oh, that's just the great circle route. They fly over you all the time. It's nothing. It's just, you know, exhaust. I said, that is BS. They are painting the sky out there. So I would make people look. I would drag them outside and go, look at this, because they weren't outside during the day. They didn't see it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I would see people come from, from – uh, the federal building area, and the courts are down there too, come up the hill, drive right past me, I'd see all the cars, you know, I'd see the Homeland Security or whatever come by, or the immigration people or whatever, customs, go by to go to the interstate. They've changed our exit here, so I don't have as much traffic as I used to, but it's like I have to see everything in my face. It's like it shows me here's a plane flying over my house, you know, or something. And I hear things at night because the windows face in that direction. So why else am I sitting here? It wasn't where I wanted to live in the first place. I never wanted to really live in Bangor, and I'm still sitting here because I'm supposed to be here. That's what yeah. I think. Well, as I said before, we get the chemtrails out here, and what really startles me is that this is all military airspace above me. Who's giving those guys the right to go spraying all that garbage right over military bases? They the shouldn't even be flying I there. I saw aerosol. It was over Bangor's um, airport and the um, yeah. Maniacs 101st, 10, what do they call it, the 101st Air Refuelers. It was there. I came out of the grocery store because there's a little a little mall across Union Street from where that is. So I came out late afternoon one day. It was a summer day, and I'd been getting a few groceries. It was a beautiful blue sky, very bright sun. And when I came back out of the store, it looked like fog in that direction. (laughs) What the heck happened? It was almost like they sprayed on the ground instead of above. So I was like, what the heck? It, like, masked the whole area over there. So it was like it covered the airport, but nothing else was covered. And I thought, what the heck's that about? You know, I didn't know what it was. So um, sometime during that time period, because it happened a couple of times within a short period of time, so I don't know if it was that same day or within a short time frame, I went to a meeting that was at a hotel, I mean a motel, I think a Howard Johnson's or something that's going to close over here. It's like a big story nationally. Howard Johnson's, one of the last ones it's in Bangor, it's closing. Well, it was near the end of the runway on the other end, around, you know, on a different street. And I headed over there to the meeting, and it was near sunset, and it was fogged everywhere. It was almost like you had to drive through fog like you were at the ocean. <laughs> it was that bad. Yeah. And it was hard to see, and I drove in, and I went inside to the meeting. And one of the people at this, I was on this board, and this, one of the people worked at the airport as one of the firefighters over there for, you know, jet 
crashes or whatever. They have a fire department there. And I said to him, what's going on out there? What is this stuff? And he says, what do you mean? And I said, look at it out there. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And his wife was also on the board, and she's laughing. I said, what is going on? What is that spray or whatever they did? And he goes, he says, well, he says, if I tell you, I'd have to kill you. And I looked at him because he says, you know, he was acting like I was making stuff up, like I was crazy. And I said, if you say I'm crazy one more time, I'll know you're a liar. And he didn't like it because we were friends, you know. And I said, because you're trying to cover up something, <laughs> you know. It was obvious that it was sprayed with something because yeah, couldn't well, see anything out there. <laughs> we had something like that just in the last couple of weeks. The uh, The chemtrails were so heavy that day that by afternoon, I try looking across our big dry lake bed, and this huge mountain range on the other side of the lake kind of disappeared. The haze was so bad, and it was all spraying, because the the day started out with a blue sky, and then in come the the jet trails, the chemtrails, and then by afternoon, it was just settled haze everywhere. It was terrible. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, James can just made a comment in the chat that jogged my memory on something else I wanted to say tonight. I forgot. Uh, I had a dismal conversation with a friend of mine up in Idaho this morning. Uh, he says the wells are drying up all around him, and he doesn't think the farmers and such are going to make it through uh, through the summer. Huh. He says so many wells are drying up that he says they're just going to have to shut, lock up, and move. So the the drought that we've got here in California, of course, California is California, and it gets the news. Uh, it that drought is spreading clear up into Idaho. It's not just California; it's it's the whole west west coast here. It would be nice if people started um, ending the weather modification. Uh, exactly. That might help a lot, you know. If, uh, yeah. Oh, and one other comment I put in the chat. I didn't say it verbally. I need to repeat it here. Is uh, there was a representative here in Southern California, I think he was from San Bernardino, a uh, Republican that got elected, and he campaigned on an issue to stop the BLM abuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he won the election, and he's in office now, so I'm waiting to see what he does about what's going on up there in Oregon. Yeah. Uh, he should be stepping up and introducing some legislation or just flat out slapping the hand of BLM and telling them to stop what they're doing and get back to doing what they're supposed to be doing. So uh, we do have one politician that is supposed to be focused on that issue, so I'm curious what what he'll be doing about it soon. Uh, Well, there's a lot of things going on with property, so that's something I'd be interested in knowing. Because I think they're doing it in every state. They're making yeah. changes to, you know, property. How but it, that uh, that gold mine owner I've commented about in the last uh, few UDA episodes, uh, he's the fellow who knows that politician directly. So oh. I've, I've emailed the, the Oregon story over to him, and uh, oh. it should be getting some, some problems. Oregon or Idaho? The gold miner issue oh, with BLM is up in Oregon. Oh, okay. And yeah, excuse me for kind of mixing two stories here. Oh, that's okay. The, I just the, got the lost. Conti- yeah, the, the continued drought story was from another friend of mine over in Idaho. I was telling me that. Yeah, so. we have we have interesting contacts as well. We have interesting friends that seem to relate to things too. It's like, well, man. 
Well, exactly. <laughs> uh, don't forget, Uda got a caller from Taiwan that one night. So <laughs> this, we have some interesting people. That's this is sure. an international show here. So. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. Good. Well, it's it's about dinner time for me, and the sun's about to set here. So uh, yeah, here we're we're going on eleven o'clock here. So yeah, it's pretty late. So it's time to finish the tea and put the feet up, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for calling in. Okay, well, uh, we'll catch you next week then. Okay. okay, have a good week. Okay, you too. Good night. Okay, good night. Okay, you guys, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I just wanted to mention one more thing before I go. Um, this was posted up today. It was uh, Apple Fund's conservation of 32,400 acres in the county, which the county in Maine is Aroostook County. And uh, I'm going to give you that link so you can go and look at it if you're interested in it. I haven't read it all yet. I took it to mean that it was a conservation project similar to what we talk about the North Northwoods um, National Park that's been provo- proposed, but this is a slightly different aspect. This is uh, Apple buying land uh, supposedly to keep it as working forest so that they can, um, I guess, make sure they have paper products for uh, packing their products or whatever, I'm not sure. So they've kind of paired with a conservation group. Um, it's a new twist, so that's why I'm bringing it up. And um, I might know more about it later, but right now it's new to me, so I'm just putting the link. And uh, I think that's it. So I hope you have a good week. I'm glad you all hung in there. I think we got to the bottom of a few things tonight anyways, and there's a lot going on. Uh, make sure you go back if you get a chance and listen to um, Dottie's show from last night, too. Main Exposed was really good last night. Phil was on talking about his experiences down in Augusta and what he's working on. And, uh, you know, I don't think people give him enough credit for the things he's doing. Um, he'd be wonderful for a governor, but I know he'd probably never do it. But he'd be wonderful for that because uh, he would he would know exactly every step of his day that what he was doing was right. So he wouldn't be questioning himself. And um, <clears throat> and I just, I just want to say again, I appreciate all of you so much. So we'll see you next week. I hope you have a good week. If you want to email to me, it's gingercookie87 at yahoo.com. And um, I told James Ken, he he had sent me something this week too, and I, I don't remember what it was. I'll have to go look again because I saw it and I was in the middle of something, you know, serious with my friend here, you know, that was sick and in town, not my friend that lives with me. Um, and I just was, you know, my mind was on her. So anyway, have a good week. Thank you for coming. And, um, I'm I'm trying to think if I forgot anything else. I don't think I did. (laughs) Oh, and Bellium's going to send me some cute puppy pictures. I actually said that to somebody this week. I said I was going back to the old, uh, you know, just the kitten and puppy pictures and, you know, flowers and stuff like that because people are just, they're being so shallow because they can't face the reality that things are going on. They want to, instead, they want to shoot the messenger, you know. So I, I do some of that. I do some of that, uh, you know, awakening stuff to people if I think they can take it. And then if they get really agitated, I back off a little bit because what's the point? They'll stop listening after a while if they 
think you're forcing them. So anyway, all right. Thank you. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.